everybody, and welcome back to the About to Review podcast. It is Wednesday, which means it is new episode day. I am your host, that guy named John, and I am joined by the incomparable Dr. Andy. Some say incomprehensible, but I agree with you, John. Well, you know, either one of those is fine. So on this episode, Andy and I had the amazing opportunity to cover yet another film festival. Can I just say how exciting it was to be at this film festival? There was so much to see. But what one was it, John? I forgot. This film festival was the 48-hour film project. That's it. Filmapalooza. So if you listen... What the heck is a Filmapalooza, John? Come on. (laughs) Good question. (laughs) Filmapalooza is basically the international showcase for the 48-hour film project. Now, if you go way back, as I scroll, I honestly forgot to write it down because it was a while ago. Andy and I covered the Seattle leg of the 48-hour film project, which, again, was the just the Seattle version. Every city, not every city, that would be amazing. Wouldn't it? Uh, a bunch of cities around the world host a local competition. So Filmapalooza is all of the local winners get their film shown at this event. So it was way back in August, episode 19, when Andy and I last covered the 48-hour film festival. This one was crazy. It was huge. Uh, But of course, before we get into that, uh, because this episode is going to be broken up into a couple parts, Uh, Andy and I are going to talk about the 48-hour film festival. And then in the second part, I will be joined by yet another guest to talk about the amazing Emerald City Comic Con that is hosted here in Seattle. So before we get going on that, shout out to American Music, who is the sponsor of this episode. They're a local music store here in Seattle that has everything you could need. If you are a local filmmaker and you want to do something for the Seattle 48-hour film festival coming up, you need some new mics, you need some instruments, you need something, you know, for that film, guess what? They have a rental program where you can pick stuff up just for the weekend. Because guess what? You only need it for 48 hours for this film festival. So shout out to American Music. And also, we're going to slide right in to an interview that I did with Mark Rupert, who is the executive producer and one of the founders of the 48-Hour Film Project. So right after that, Andy and I will be back to talk all about this amazing Filmapalooza. So I'm welcoming to the show uh, the executive producer of the 48-Hour Film Project, Mr. Mark Rupert. Welcome. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. So this festival, (laughs) I covered the Seattle chapter or the Seattle leg of this a few months ago. And now Seattle is hosting the international version or the Filmapalooza. So can you tell people what what the difference is between the regular city legs and what we are having right now? Sure. So we do a regular 48-hour film project in 134 cities around the world. And that is, as Seattle is a great example of one of those. So in each city, a certain number of teams compete. Mm -hmm. And in the course of one weekend, they have to make a short film, writing, shooting, editing, everything within 48 hours. For Filmapalooza, that's our annual awards event, awards festival. And so Seattle is hosting us this week. We have more than 330 filmmakers from around the world all convening (laughs) 
in Seattle. Mm -hmm. We've got four days of screenings. We're showing more than 150 shorts, two features, doing our awards, special awards screening plus awards ceremony, a number of workshops, right. and then some parties <laughs> and receptions. So, Wow. That is a very busy weekend for all of these filmmakers that are coming from all over the world. Do you have an idea of which person or which group has traveled the furthest, like from which part of the world? Sure, we've got people from uh, Durban in South Africa and a couple of people from Budapest. And both of those people, those, those two groups have traveled more than 26 hours each to boy, get here. Boy, boy. And, uh, but we have people coming from Mongolia, from Argentina, quite a, of course, a big representation from the U.S. So it's a real nice mix. And that's, that's what's the coolest part of Filmapalooza. These, all of these people sharing a common passion for mm -hmm. filmmaking, but with this multicultural background. Absolutely, because that was something where so far I have only been able to see the first day. And so on the first day, which was Wednesday, we had the first screening. And now, was that the first time these shorts have been featured or were they shown in their individual cities and then here? So what we show here at Filmapalooza is the city winners from gotcha. each of these 134 cities. So uh, they have been screened on the local level. Mm -hmm. Then local judges determine the winner of each city. And then our judges are must be film and video industry professionals. Mm -hmm. We'll often have film critics from uh, newspaper and television, and they'll make the selection of the local level, and then all of them that get screened here, and then we pick the top 12 and screen them again on the last night of Filmapalooza. Gotcha. Yeah, because there were films from all over the place uh, in the first screening that I saw, and then in the second screening, that was kind of the Seattle-focused sure. uh, screening where it showed past winners of the local 48-hour film project from both the horror and the non-horror, I guess, the, the traditional, yep. the regular. And so that was really cool because it was my first experience with the 48-hour film project a few months ago. Mm -hmm. So then to see all of the films, or at least part of them, from all over the world was incredible. So how long have you been involved with this? Well, I came up with the idea for a 48-hour film competition back in 2001. Okay. Um, and actually, I came up with the idea a couple years earlier than that, but we put it into effect 2001. And it was just a chance for friends to get together and make a film. Mm -hmm. uh, I reached out to a number of filmmaker friends of mine, and they each agreed to put a team together. And at that time, point we had no idea a if it was possible to make a film <laughs> right. in 40 hours and b if you could do it could anybody else stand to watch it fair so, enough so uh, the th kind of the turning point that very first year was a mutual friend of ours worked at a movie theater and she said if you all do this we will screen them so awesome. from the very beginning our basic concept was set which is you show up on a friday night you pull a genre out of a hat, so you have no idea what kind of genre you're going to get. You're assigned a character, a prop, and a line of dialogue. 
You have two days to create your film, and then a week later you see your film on the big screen. And that, in a nutshell, is the exact same formula that we've used now for 17 years. And more than, we have run 48-hour film projects more than a thousand times in more than 150 cities on all six continents. So it's, uh, it's been amazing, the growth of it. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, the pure scope of this from its very humble beginnings when you had no idea, like you said, if it was possible, looking back on it now, 17 years later, what were some of the biggest successes along that way? Well, the first interesting thing is it actually was not possible to do this prior to 2001. The technology was not there yet. Uh, you had oh. certainly had computer editing, but it was very expensive. Right. And not very many people had it. So it was beginning in about 2001 that that became more accessible to people. Same thing with camera prices. Those were coming down. True. And there are much, many more models out there. So that was the first thing. But even back in those days, we would accept VHS submissions if wow. that's what you had to do. <laughs> right. Uh, most were on mini-DV. Okay. Some on CD, and so it's the none on Betamax. None no, on nobody beta, wanted to do that. We didn't. We didn't accept Betamax. Oh, so okay. That was it. <laughs> um, and our craziest story of all was the first year we were in Nashville. I think it was 2005. These guys had just bought a new editing system for the 48. Mm -hmm. It gets to be close to the deadline, and uh, they cannot export their film. They oh, do not no. know how to get it out of the camera onto their uh, submission. So everything was done. They just right that next step. <laughs> so, in this beautiful, spontaneous burst of creativity, they filmed their monitor. Wow and submitted it, and it ended up winning an audience award because really? the story was that hilarious, and then their ingenuity was incredible. So so the biggest change in 17 years is the technology. Two things. Technology, mm -hmm. um, it's gotten a lot better, and it's gotten even more accessible. And then secondly, the common filmmaker, filmmaking knowledge has expanded. Interesting. So that... Your average filmmaker knows more and has more experience today than he or she did 10 or 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so the result is you have much more beautiful films, technically great films. It's interesting when we talk about story because that's still the unknown variable. Yeah. Um, and that's what truly sets apart the very good films from the okay films. Mm-hmm. So. Now, when was what was the first country that you were just blown away that you were able to put something together and have them do a 48-hour film project? Well, we grew very quickly in the U.S. Um, mm -hmm. From uh, the second year, we were in six cities, and within another couple of years, we had more than doubled that. Um, in terms of our foreign cities... I know that Paris was pretty early. Hmm. Um, New Zealand we were in for a little bit, and London. I think those were our three earliest ones. Um, you know, there's not one city that jumps out at me or one country that jumps out at me. What's fascinating is how big France has grown. We are in really? 12 French cities in France. Is that your biggest country, country outside okay. of the U.S.? Yes. And then Netherlands also were in five or six cities. 
What's been cool the last two or three years is the growth within Latin America. We went from one or two cities three years ago to 18 cities in Latin America and the Caribbean this year. Wow. And then the last thing I want to say about this is in terms of this, the number of teams within a mm-hmm. city. So in Paris, this past October, they set a new world record with 180 teams competing. <laughs> and two weeks later, Mexico City broke the record with 200 teams competing. So, And how many of those get screened at the festival? Like yeah. how, many, how many can you... Take in, can you, were you able to do all 160 and, and 200? Absolutely. And on wow. the local level, if you can make it, you are screened. That is our promise to every filmmaker. That is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that, yeah, 200, 200 films from local filmmakers in an expansion city. Right. Wow. That is pretty incredible. Now, where do you see this? I mean, in 17 years, looking back on it, 17 years from now, (laughs) what do you think will be the biggest change? That's a good question. What we really love about 48 is that it is all live events. Mm -hmm. So that you are coming to a live kickoff event. You must physically drop off your film. You have a screening. So in our age of people turning inward and doing everything on their phone and by themselves, right. this is pushing that idea of building a community, building a creative community. Mm-hmm. Um, what is very encouraging about it is the number of friendships that are made. For sure. Uh, what's fascinating is we have about 15 marriages are the result of the 48 whoa, whoa, people, <laughs> people who have met on set. Wow. At a, at a 48, and quite a few of them then come in a later subsequent year will mm-hmm. actually propose during the 48-hour film weekend, including in Mexico City this year, a guy had rented a helicopter for his shoot, mm-hmm. and uh, he also took that opportunity to take his fiancée up in the helicopter and propose to her. Wow. Or his would-be fiancée. Right, so, right. So... Um, so it's it's just great to see this um, fostering this interaction among people. Mm-hmm. So to get back to your question, where will it be in 17 years? You know, our, our hope certainly is that people will continue to respond to it, continue to love doing it, and continue to want to grow their communities. What we're going to see more and more of is the greater success of our alumni from the 48. For sure. You know, we have not had our first Oscar winner yet, but we will. Mm-hmm. Um, we did have a guy who worked in the graphics department of a small production company in L.A. Mm-hmm. He got a call one summer from his friend in Greensboro, North Carolina, who said, hey, I want you to come back and direct my film I'm making for the 48. And this guy said, great, I'll do that. They completed the film. It was in our top ten. We took it to the Cannes Film Festival for our special screening that year. And when he got back to L.A., he showed some people in L.A. his mm-hmm. uh, his film. And in less than six months, he was directing television for Comedy Central. Wow. So there are many more of those stories mm-hmm. out there now and even more in the future to come. Now, you mentioned, I mean, that story is incredible. <laughs> right. And you mentioned it can. The Cannes Film Festival. Mm -hmm. So explain that process. So people from the local level, when they're doing this competition, there is a chance that 
that their film could be shown at Cannes. That's right. So about 10 years ago, we formed a partnership with uh, the Short Film Corner at the Cannes Film Festival. So they dedicate one whole week and one area of the Palais there for short film. Okay. And we... Uh, as part of our partnership, we actually get a theater so that we wow. can have a screening of our top 12 48-hour films from each year. And so the top 12, how are the, like, the, the, that process with how many films that are shown in all these different countries and all these different cities, who goes to Cannes? Well, it's, uh, it's, that's what Film Palooza is all about. You know, we have a process once the films, once we receive the city winning mm -hmm. films from the local city producer, then we have a process of evaluating all the films and okay. rating them and our judges rate them and then they go to our final judges who make the selections. And then I'm the programmer uh, for the whole festival, so then based on the judges' input and, and mm -hmm. the reactions here at Filmapalooza, I choose the 12 that then go on to Cannes. Amazing. So for the people listening, what is your favorite drink so that they can start bribing you? Because <laughs> with only 12 films <coughs> out of the thousands that come out every year, I feel like somebody might try and, uh, well, you know. You never know, never know. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you, Mark, for, for taking some time. I know how crazy busy you are in the middle of this festival. So really appreciate you sitting down. And where can people find uh, more information, you know, kind of about the things that you do and the 48-Hour Film Project. Sure. So the best way is to go to our website, 48hourfilm.com. That's the number 48-H-O-U-R-F-I-L-M.com. And we have all the details there to uh, follow along with what we're doing. Um, we do have a kind of a master Facebook page, but okay. it might be more interesting for people to join the Facebook in their own city. Mm -hmm. They want to get details about their local events. And um, yeah, I guess Saturday night we'll be announcing our grand champion, the best film of 2016. Yeah. So uh, on part two of this episode, uh, I will be talking about the film that ends up winning. Great. So uh, that is great. I look forward to the rest of the films. And thanks again. My pleasure. Thank you. So that was the amazing interview. Uh, thank you. Huge, huge thank you to Mark. He was crazy busy this week and as you can imagine going to all of the screenings going to the workshops running around so that little bit of time that he gave to me was fantastic now andy what are some of the things that you heard during that interview that kind of stood out to you uh well first of all again going back to the beginning really about the the size the enormity of mm -hmm. this festival um you know they show you know showing 150 shorts in the course of a, a short number of days mm -hmm. two feet and two features of course and that many filmmakers 330 filmmakers showing up from around the world i mean honestly every continent Except, Except for Antarctica, which <laughs> <laughs> you know showed up to some extent, and there you know films um, from all over is absolutely amazing. Um, and just I, I, I'm, I again, I'm kind of blown away the whole concept of the 48 hour film mm -hmm. project and the, the idea that if you can get a team together and throw was it the 300 dollars or in America, uh, you know, into the you know the entry pot. 
and you manage to finish your film mm-hmm. with the various elements in it, it will show. So I mean, and you get, and if you get it in on time, on time, that oh, is the important thing. Did I not thing. say on time? Okay, I meant on time. If you get it in on time, it mm-hmm. will it will screen. So I mean, sort of the the uh, a high school team could easily mm-hmm. get something creditable together for a first time that they show something at. Uh, you know, an actual film festival. Isn't that super cool if you're a kid or, or a, a budding first-time filmmaker? That I mean, that just blows my mind that you can get into something like this and you'll have a, you'll have a significant audience. Yeah, because even when Andy and I went to the Seattle leg, it was packed. Uh, the SIF Uptown Theater hosted it at the Seattle leg and also for this entire weekend during Filmapalooza. So the Seattle one was packed. If you do your film and get in on time... The fact that you can just show it to a few hundred people is incredible. Yeah. I mean, I've been to, you know, sort of premieres of locally made films Mm -hmm. and you'll just get the people who are involved with making that film (laughs) and maybe their husband, wife, daughter, if the daughter is not a teenager, you know, coming along to that. And it's, Mm -hmm. and it's, I mean, you know, it's a fairly small affair. And it's all people who are going to clap because they're involved or they want to be supportive of their family member. These ones, you have a bunch of different filmmakers, so mm-hmm. you're making connections with, you know, uh, and you've got people who are going to be able to give you honest criticism uh, about your work, about what went right, what didn't go right. Um, great way, again, you know, for budding filmmakers to to make connections and to to learn. Absolutely. And that was actually one of the things that Mark said that really spoke to me. Unlike other things that we have going on right now where right now most people if they have an iphone they can shoot a movie they can edit the movie they can post the movie strictly from their iphone it is madness but the difference with this type of film festival and one of the reasons that i have such a huge respect for it is he talked about this is a social event that truly is about building a creative community Mm -hmm. together yeah because this is not You get an email saying, all right, this is the topic this year. This is your theme. This is this and this. You have to go on site. You have to meet with people. You draw your genre. And at that time, granted, usually once you draw your genre and everything, you're like, okay, got to go. Bye. Because you have to make a film in 48 hours. But the fact that you, you get to be around the filmmaking community right there. Right. Is, I mean, what, what I'd be interested in finding out, um, I'm sure they have it worked out somewhere, is uh, what is the largest city, which, ha- which city has the most entries, and what city has the smallest number of entries? And is it just like, hey, we made one entry, or is it two entries, or what? what is the minimum number that they have? That's something. I do not know the minimum. Why didn't you ask that? I, well, I did ask about some of the larger <laughs> ones. And so you're saying Mexico City had over 200 entries. So that is huge. Good point. Um, But yeah, I mean, in general, 5,000 teams submitted films last year. 5,000 teams on six continents. And shout out to this guy named Steve. When he and I covered the Global Game Jam recently, same people there were like, we're on six continents. So far, Antarctica, got to admit, kind of slipping behind, guys. Yep. I say that. As in, there are like 50 researchers on the entire continent. Penguins. Penguins, yes. Uh, but yeah, seeing that our buddy, this guy named Steve, kind of goes to Antarctica every now and then, he has no reason. No excuses. To not put together both a game and a film 
for something so like he's, this. He'd have to be the, the the producer for Antarctica, wouldn't he? Yeah. Well, okay. City he would be the he would be the city producer and the only entrant yeah. <laughs> entry. So guaranteed, guaranteed winner. Well, there you go, and that means he would get to be shown at Filmapalooza. And I hear he does something with cameras and stuff. You would well, think that you know he is a videographer mm-hmm. or something like that is his actual job. Uh, one of the other interesting things, speaking of people coming from all over the world, is Mark talked about teams coming from Durban, South Africa, from Budapest, all over the place coming to our little town. People sometimes still say that, even though I do not know why, mm-hmm. of Seattle. And it was great, especially having it at a local independent theater that took over the theater. <laughs> they had to use both theaters that were in there over the weekend and there was there was like what uh 12 10 12 screenings mm-hmm. of things so which unfortunately uh dear listeners meant that um neither me nor john got to see every single film yeah. even as we split up our varied talents we did not get to see every single film which i you know i i was really i am really excited about this this uh film festival so i am sad that i have not gotten an opportunity to to see all all of the different ones because just on the three screenings that i went to mm-hmm. um there was some there was uh, some real gems for sure yeah and so actually how about we go into well before we go into the films that we saw uh one of the things that i was surprised by and we talked about this on the seattle 48-hour film festival episode, is how many dramas there were at Filmapalooza compared to the Seattle leg of this. Mm -hmm. The Seattle leg, chock full of comedies, because in general, for these festivals, and this is something that Kirk Nordenstrom, the Seattle producer, talked about on that episode. In general, when you do something like a 48-hour film festival, a 50-hour slam like they have in Eastern Washington, comedies are generally... (laughs) the favored i was people like comedy people do like comedy and and a short a short drama i think is a good short drama is is harder to absolutely craft. um but having said that um i think a lot of people think that they are funnier than they actually are Ooh. people say that about me by the well way. that is very true <clears throat> uh but yeah i mean i was i was really interested and i was surprised honestly surprised by how many dramas we saw this weekend mostly from other countries so i found they're that more serious maybe the i mean serious I, people i i'm not sure what it was but or they're funnier people and they just they just need drama in their life because they don't get any in real life whereas americans get so much drama in real life that they need yeah. that comedy as a kind of like a pressure relief valve but we could go into the the philosophy the socioeconomics yeah. and yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, how about we not do that? <laughs> okay, that'll be uh, the extra content. Yeah, exactly. Bonus feature. That would be great. So you saw a screening block that I did not. I did. So can you talk a little bit about that one? What? Without going into your best. Because what we're going to do after well, this is, well, is we're going to do... So first of all, if this is your first time listening to this episode, or listening to this episode, if you're listening to it multiple times, great. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, normally what I like to do is I like to have little tight numbers where I'm like, hey, Andy, can you come up with two things of this? And, and two I like of to this? just go all over the place, which is what I'll do now, now that you've opened that door. Okay, John, on oh. Friday, I went to <laughs> a screening. 
Um, and I'm just going to mention, uh, I, I guess, I mean, they could be honourable mentions or something, but I, uh, I have as my best non-Euro Yankee film that I saw, so it may not have been the best one overall, but the best one that I, mm-hmm. I mean, I wanted to give this at least an honourable mention, um, was uh, a film from Dubai named Shah Matt. Now, um, it was, it, it, it covered some previously made, how much spoilers are we, are we allowed to make on this episode, Ooh, John? Because That is a tough one. So, real quick, some of these you can find if you go to the 48 Hour Film Project's website which is just 48hourfilm.com. I think some of these are up there. I'm not sure about all of them. Okay, so we'll try and avoid yeah. too much in the way of spoilers. Okay, but this one this one was uh for for a non-euro non-yankee uh film. <laughs> it was it was it was nicely shot. It was the cinematographic cinematographically cinematographically that no cinema cinematographically cinematographically oh, that's gonna be words. it that's gonna be it um was 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 really well done again folks you have to remember this is 48 hours mm-hmm. that folks have to get from zero to hero um it was nicely shot uh the 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 concept was not terribly new it was it was chess with death so i i think with that that's okay. comes, that's right at the beginning of the film so and you know we, we have Ing- ingmar bergman has covered this ground uh, in the past but it was done really nicely and 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 done very cleverly and with gr- very good effects and great editing so um that was one that didn't go on to the 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 finals okay. let's call them mm-hmm. um another one that i really liked at the friday showing and that I am calling my uh, one with a mm-hmm. best surprise in Ooh. the drama category. Okay. Uh, it's called... Oh, did I not even write down wow. the number? Name? Oh, my gosh. I'll, I'll, <laughs> we'll have to edit in what the name of this one. But it was from New Haven, Connecticut. Okay. And it was... Uh, it was a, uh, I think it was a cop... Um, because each film has a genre, yes, and you get you pick a genre, or you get you randomly get randomly. picked uh, mm-hmm. a genre. And this one was a, a, a cop drama, which which you know again, one of the great things about the the genres is that you can stretch them a little oh, bit, and they yeah. can still be what they say they are. So mm-hmm. this one, um, yeah, sure, it involved someone. Oh gosh, it's so difficult to talk about this one without spoilers. <laughs> but here's the thing. So, I mean, sort of, I wrote, first of all, and, and we're in the dark, and it's really difficult to write notes. Yes, and, yeah. and you've got like 15 films screening at one screening. And so you have to write something. That's why you're never going to remember what the heck each one was. So I had started out r- writing weak acting. Ooh. Yeah, which is not a harsh, good thing. It's, it's a harsh <laughs> criticism. And, and there are some films, obviously, which I didn't like in all this. But, I, but <laughs> by the end... Mm-hmm. Because of the surprise, I had to scratch that out. And instead, I wrote, oh, clever. And I wrote something else, which would be a bit of a spoiler. So I'm not going to say what it was. But, you know, that's that was enough of a surprise. I was not expecting that on on the first couple of minutes of the movie. I was thinking, oh, I don't know how this one got through Mm -hmm. to the the finals. And then like, whoa, there's the twist. And it's like, I didn't, you know, in that that first couple of minutes, I didn't see it coming. I just thought it was badly acted. And like, (laughs) great. That was that. So that that was a, a really nice surprise, hmm. um, and uh, I think all the other ones which I no no oh no I can't say okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm sorry because I'm all over the place because it's mm-hmm. so exciting and we have so little time to cover this. But yeah, my 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 I think my best overall film was shown on the Friday, and you didn't get to see it, John, because you oh. were not there. I t- I was not there on the Friday. Uh, so the screening that the screening block that I saw. Uh, was the second screening on Wednesday. You mean the one that I didn't go to? That would be that. Okay. Yes. So it was kind of the Seattle retrospective. So they showed some of the past winners of the Seattle leg, both from the traditional and regular 48-hour film project, but they also showed the winners from the 48-hour horror film project. That was really cool because I talked about that a while ago, And being that this was my first exposure to the 48-hour film festival a few months ago, seeing the past winners gave a really good perspective. So not only did Mm -hmm. they show the Seattle winners, they showed five of the grand champions. So that was really cool. They showed 2011, 2012, 2013, 14, and 15 of the grand champions. So one of my first quick shout out to our local uh, champion from last year one, one step, one step too, too far, far. Uh, from team mighty tripod so that was really was a brilliant film yeah, angela david and darlene so that was cool and it was nice to see our local uh, winner shown in this big audience with all these international filmmakers and it went over really well like people really enjoyed it because mm-hmm. again you, you kind of have that not necessarily concern but when you have your this local film and you have a local audience People love it. Then you throw it in front of a different audience, like we saw with some of these. Maybe they did not click as much with us, but in their local city, they were the champion. They won the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool that our local team, uh, Team Mighty Tripod, or our local team, there are a bunch of them, <laughs> but our local winner. So shout out to those guys. That was really cool. I think they, they I, I know there's a slight spoiler, but I think it, it it's, uh, I think they were robbed that they didn't get into the finals. It was. I'm just going to put that out there. I thought it was yeah. at least as good as some of the movies that made the finals. I'm. I think I'll have to agree with you. Which again, generally, I try not to. I'm not biased. Uh, yeah. So that was really cool. One of the other ones that really stood out to me was the grand champion from 2014, which is called "These Dirty Words," uh, from Rotterdam. So this one it takes place basically in a bedroom with a husband wife the husband starts giving the wife a bunch of crap for reading just kind of one of the uh safeway or whatever your local grocery store is like the books that they have right at the counter with fabio and so he starts making fun of her with that it goes into this kind of fantastical thing where they're both reading uh reading the book as it is being acted out so really funny uh, but yeah, those were definitely two that that stood out to me. Uh, Life Socks, which is another Seattle one from 2015 by Northwest Films. That was hilarious. So yeah, I was I was really impressed. It was really cool for me, especially being so new to the 48-hour film project, seeing not only the local winners, but the grand champions. It gave me a good idea of kind of what to look for mm-hmm. as the festival went on. Yep. Speaking of the festival going oh. on, I think it is time... For us to go into our categories. Now, again, I made an exception for Andy and broke it into two categories so that he could talk about a bunch of films because I knew no matter what, he was going to go off the rail. I was going to say, I mean, you can get, you can give me, uh, you know, some uh, 
breadth to, to do things. But I'm just going to take it anyway. Yeah, so, you pretty know. much. Uh, so first, uh, how many films do you think you watched this past weekend? <laughs> um, it, it was probably maybe like... Forty-five-ish, yeah, yeah. These, so, are, I mean, they're the limit of six minutes, so it's not like I mean, uh, it's like, close. They're somewhere around yeah. eight minutes, but yeah. Oh, okay. oh, because you can include titles uh, as well, a title card. Okay. You can have one minute of each. Okay, and that actually brings up something that I one of the notes that I took in the dark trying to scribble down on a notebook. It was really annoying with you turning on your your camera light. By the way, I was trying. I just needed to. Write I was about stuff. to slap you. <laughs> um. But here's a little spoiler. <laughs> if you are interested in doing a 48-hour film festival, a 50-hour slam, they have 72-hour film festivals. If you put in a kind of mid-credits scene, you get two rounds of applause. There were quite a few films that kind of, not necessarily tricked us, mm -hmm. but the film ends, people start clapping, they stop because something else is happening on screen. It gives the filmmakers an extra minute to put in one more joke, one more setup. Yeah. And then the crowd Who starts... doesn't love two sets of claps? Yeah. And then it starts clapping again. So that is my my big tip for any filmmaker who wants to do a film festival like this. Um, my, my big tip is um, don't pick romance as your genre i know you don't get any choice but just it's, it's like it's like uh, unfortunately <laughs> romance is 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 the kiss of death when it comes mm -hmm. to these movies um i've seen now uh the you know I, I'm, I'm a newbie to the 48 hour film festival mm -hmm. i've seen like about 70 of them at this point yeah and i haven't seen a, a really good romance it's so difficult it to do that so difficult yeah uh, and yeah, I, I watched something around 36 to 40 films. So it was a jam-packed weekend. Like Andy said, I really wish that we could have gone to more because this was the international showcase. Uh, I was really impressed by the different countries that were represented and because it gives you this different perspective. And I think it is so important, especially in the language of film, in this medium of filmmaking, go out of your comfort zone. And I think an opportunity like this, like this type of film festival in particular, gives you that experience in easily digestible chunks. A lot of people, things like SIF, the upcoming Seattle International Film Festival, those are features. That takes a whole mostly. different... Mostly, yes. That takes a whole different level of commitment. This, again, with six to eight minutes, I highly encourage people to just go. and Check it out. See what other countries are, are up to. Now that we did that, yep. back to my format uh, that, again, is probably not going to last very long. No, let's throw it out the window. Uh, Sorry, carry on, though. There are I wrote down three best and three honorable mentions. Mm -hmm. You probably wrote down, like, seven of each because you can never follow instructions. <coughs> so, I'd like, you know, yeah, okay. So, anyway, uh, going straight into things, um, uh -huh. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to start off with, I'm going to mention... Um, Let's call it uh, best uh, special effects, okay. and I think the uh, the voters, whoever the voters, the jury is, mm -hmm. uh, did actually get this one correct. Uh, the movie from Denver named Wanda, yes, had as as I wrote in my note in my notes in the in the darkness, uh, mad effects <laughs> <laughs> needed longer. Um, it was one of mm -hmm. those movies mm -hmm. which uh, one of those shorts where you you wanted to get a lot more 
uh, background and you wanted to see what they could have done with a little bit more time. Mm -hmm. uh, because, yeah, I mean, I, I know them them interesting computery machiney type things can do some fantastic right. <laughs> fantastic effects but when you've only got 48 hours to do something the fact that they managed to get what they got in that time and put it around a, a creditable film with some decent acting mm -hmm. and excellent editing um i think they've got nominated for best editing as I well i think so yeah um is is truly astounding and i know there was another there was a film in in the seattle 48 hour film festival which i said something similar about this one i think was even more together because it mm -hmm. was a, it was a more rounded film um it had great amazing amazing effects mm -hmm. and was decently acted and the storyline more or less held together um so that definitely got my vote for best effects well and the, the thing with that that was so incredible is again with with some of these festivals you can have ideas going into the festival like okay i, I kind of want to do this i kind of maybe we can work with this idea but once you pull your genre you got to go with it and like we said and we will get into it you can stretch that genre mm -hmm. but with something like this those that that team might have had an idea for okay what if we could kind of play with this graphic what if mm -hmm. we could do something like this but they still have to do it within the confines <laughs> Of what they were given and they made it work right and and sort of if they'd said oh we really want to put, get these great special effects in and then they were given romance mm -hmm. or you know something like that is like western western yeah oh no well you're, mm -hmm. you're getting ahead of yourself there john because oh. i was going to say something but i'm not going to say it oh, right no, now because no. <laughs> we're waiting until the best <laughs> uh but yeah so again you might have ideas going into this and that is a good thing to have have some ideas. Start thinking about it. I but... say don't go into making a film with absolutely no yeah. ideas whatsoever. But also, and Kirk mentioned this, and I've mentioned this on other episodes, embrace the challenge. Have your ideas, have your thoughts, but once you pull your genre, once you know what you are doing, embrace it and just and just go for it. So that was your first, or kind of your first, uh, honorable mention. Or those, those were your best. That was uh, the best effects. That, that was best. Yeah. Time. So one of my honorable mentions and this one, it actually is a winner. Uh, it won for, I believe, cinematography. And let me just double check with that real quick. Uh, so the my my first honorable mention is a film from Cordoba, and it is Concentrico. Concentrico. <laughs> this was one that Andy and I were kind of split on. This was easily the most art house film of the bunch uh in my opinion it dealt with some really striking imagery it dealt with some very unusual filming techniques but the fact that and i actually i i got a chance briefly to talk to um the director at the after party this was one shot that in and of itself is incredible and he kind of joked he was like the easy way to make a film in 48 hours is just do it in one take, <laughs> which is true. Which is true. But I mean, sort of just something, just one thing can go wrong and then you have to reset the entire film. I yeah. did, I did for, for oh, my, one best set design. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. I, I did, I did a, a, a mini film for, for my work one time. It was about commuting and stuff like that. And we <laughs> shot it on uh, a, a, an iPhone and we didn't have any kind of editing suite. So mm -hmm. just, and, and so, we you had knew to, you had one. <laughs> right. So we had we had one shot uh, and it was just like insane because 
somebody would mess up something somewhere mm-hmm. along the line and and you were getting there and getting there and getting there and then like oh he forgot his line okay let's just we've got to do the entire thing all over again really an incredibly difficult thing um to do but yeah no i actually had um a cordoba as an honorable mention in oh, my okay. best surreal because the oh, conditions yeah. that they were working under also were really difficult i mean you can do you could do a single shot you know talking heads to people sure. in a room mm-hmm. that's not I mean, it's still difficult, but it's not super difficult. But then you have something like this, which is shot. Can I say where it's shot? Yeah. It's shot in water. Mm-hmm. It's shot in water. I mean, it's like um, just over the, between, I mean, thigh level water mm-hmm. um, with a bunch of people oh, yeah. and a bunch of props. And this is not easy. I mean, there's there's a couple of films which have, have had uh, features which have had notable single shot um uh single take things um not single takes but single shot mm-hmm. um and yeah it's equally difficult conditions obviously but for again for 48 hours yeah wow well especially and the cinematography of it was beautiful not only is it in this lake but it was kind of at sunset i mean it, this was an had to be an incredibly challenging film to make and watching it i was just i was thoroughly impressed uh, and it, it was a easily, the I mean, the best set design for sure. Because even though there are some repeating props in this, mm-hmm. as the camera pans away and follows one Things person, changed. they go back. I mean, there were there was the same prop that had three different changes in it. Mm-hmm. They used uh, a rope or a, a tether or a cable multiple different ways throughout the movie. Like, mm-hmm. I was just, I was blown away. Yeah, so that would be just just the technical aspects of that for mate, sure. Definitely gave it an, for me an honourable mention. Yeah, um, my my best <laughs> that I, my honourable mention was there was for best surreal, best surreal. I guess mm-hmm. what I what I the one that I actually thought was the, my best surreal uh, was the one from Portland, Maine, not mm-hmm. Oregon. I don't know if Portland, Oregon put one in, but Portland, Maine did. Uh, called uh, Room of Eternal Secrets. Uh, yeah. My notes in the dark was uh, well done well acted and and i think you can't say much more than that i mean sort Mm -hmm. of again a fairly simple concept done kind of like in a in a warehouse so it was pretty simple to put together um but the i mean sort of it was really well acted and sort of like the storyline was well done you were thinking oh this could go so badly (laughs) but it it it, it didn't It, it just held held itself all the way through so i was very impressed and that's why i gave it best surreal uh, that one, my notes for that, uh, Alice in Wonderland on acid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and then I also wrote slightly spooky bear puppet was awesome. Wasn't it? That yeah. was incredible. Whatever yeah. animatronics they used, or if it was just a hand, I think it was just something. a hand puppet. It looked incredible. Yes. Props. I, I mean that, that, that he was, uh, he was a, a tie for me for best supporting actor. No, wow. I'm just kidding. No. But <laughs> and and I've probably got more more uh, uh, subjects than you, John. So I'm going to mention another one before mm-hmm. you jump in. Um, I wanted to put a, a, a little shout out to uh, Jacksonville's Star Wars for mm. um, best topical yes. film. Um, I, my my notes in the dark uh, were nicely shot uh, uh, combo of topical musical. And comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, it it taught. I mean, sort of. It basically it, it went into kind of like the the area of uh, transgender bathroom mm-hmm. rights, um, but done in a, a, a really well shot, nice cinematography, 
um and amusing and it, it wasn't heavy and it was nicely acted and br bright at, at the same time as being, you know so sort of like there being some violence in this one so that was yep. for me was best topical uh, my note for that one uh, the name of the song or one of the i think it was the name of the song if not it was at least one of the lines in it was aren't there issues more worthwhile which again very topical <laughs> like <laughs> really this is what people are up in arms about but yeah, so I, mm. I totally agree. That, that was a good one. Yep. Uh, one of my next honorable mentions uh, was a film called The Park from Shanghai. Now, this one was kind of in a another surreal uh, mm. and another drama, which mm -hmm. so far, my honorable mentions are both dramas. Uh, the Park, it was also, it was a comedic. It was, a, it was in the dark comedy category, but it dealt with this woman who kind of wakes up in this odd... <clears throat> labyrinth warehouse not really sure of what is happening mm -hmm. and it is based off of these old studies called rat park where it was about testing these rats memory while also introducing psychotropic drugs to them mm -hmm. so i really liked that one uh the guy in this was actually i was surprised he was not nominated for best either actor or supporting actor depending on how they wanted to do it i really really liked his performance in this he was able to flip a switch from being completely manic and crazy to then totally calm go into some comedic elements like i was really impressed it was also anytime you go to a film festival like this that first block that you see no matter what it is you're like this guy is great and then you start seeing more and more and you're like wow okay like then you start to realize the competition mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. from the first block like he was for sure uh, one of my favorites. Really interesting. That's interesting because I know we want to be supportive of oh boy. <laughs> all the filmmakers <laughs> to this. So mm -hmm. I am fully supportive of all the filmmakers. But this was one of my uh, least favorite. Hmm. Um, I, I can't say least favorite, but it, I, I I can't say I really liked it. I, 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 I <laughs> mm -hmm. John's making all kinds of weird noises over there. Um, there, there was a. I think it, I'm looking in the program, and it says that it was uh, the genre was dark comedy. Yes. Um, but I thought that it also um, when it was on the screen that, that there were two options. It was period piece slash dark comedy. I could be completely wrong because hmm. I put period piece question mark question mark question mark because clearly it's not a period park. But you know what? It could be. Uh, it was pseudo futuristic. Period whatever um <laughs> it all it also wasn't a dark comedy it wasn't it wasn't a comedy at all I um i i didn't think it was together very well i and i actually didn't like the the guy that wow. you, the actor that you're talking about i i thought that was severely um over the the top okay i, I don't want to talk about f films that i didn't like but very you much, just but, did. You, but <laughs> you just brought it up as one of your honorable mentions, so I kind of had to. So here's a big divergence. Yeah, I I really didn't like. Okay, that one. what is next on on your list, or should I give another one of mine since you probably have fifty? Um, <laughs> no, I've only got like six or so. No, let me do one. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna put that. Oh no, no, no! I, oh, I've gosh. already did that one. Okay, I, I will do one. one. Just go ahead and do one. All right, right. <laughs> another one of the films that that I really liked that I was also uh, kind of not necessarily surprised by. Uh, and I'm going to... This is an honorable mention, is it? Yes, this is an honorable mention. Uh, the film name, let me see if I can't, is Bacha Daka from Mumbai. So... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This one, the genre was comedy. And it succeeded and it fit within that genre. Again, what I really liked is seeing a different perspective. Now, 
I have watched a ton of Bollywood movies. Uh, some of them are much better than others. But at the same time, that film industry is gigantic, and I have a lot of respect for it. This was missing a musical number. Uh, I know. Which, granted, in the Seattle leg of the 48-hour film festival, uh, we did get kind of a Bollywood romance, and it did have a musical number. Mm-hmm. And Kirk Nordenstrom, the producer, by de facto, he was like, best choreography goes to that. <laughs> so, but yeah, this one, I mean, it was, it was really funny. Uh, this is one of those cities where I would love to know how many films were submitted. I would like to know which cities are really growing and expanding. Uh, Mark definitely talked about how the French are just taking over. That is one of my notes. There has been a French explosion recently with the 48-hour film fest. Explosion. There you go. Uh, But yeah, in a city like Mumbai, getting a different type of humor, it was just, I really enjoyed this film. Yeah, no. Um, I, again, it was. Uh, I agree with you. It was. Uh, well, I don't agree with you in, in terms of honourable mention. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 it was. It was fun and it was slightly different. And uh, yeah, very well done for again forty eight hours. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, okay, I'm gonna start going into ones which uh, John will probably have some um, feelings about as well. Although mm-hmm. he's down to, I think he's down to his three top three. So maybe I one have... of these will not be in his top three. I have one more honourable mention. Uh, and it might actually be one of the ones that you are actually... Okay, well, I'm going to... Okay, then I'll go straight into... Because um, I had a best surprise drama category, which was the mm. Portland... Um, oh, right, right. The New Haven film. Um, so my best surprise comedy uh, is the uh, Utrecht film, mm-hmm. Morgen is er Zon. <laughs> or Tomorrow. <laughs> or Tomorrow in English. Um, uh, this was... Uh, a very dark, but mm-hmm. sweet, sweet but dark comedy. With, I mean, sort of the while the ending. I mean, the act. What? What? How do I put this? We know roughly what's going to happen at the mm-hmm. end, but we we. I don't think we really know how it's going to happen, and yeah. so the way that it happens is quite a surprise, mm-hmm. and and brought a gigantic uh, gasp of laughter. Um, from the audience um which let, let me talk on that for just a second <laughs> okay the ending of this film uh and actually since we were talking about it this is on one of my this is one of my three best Ooh, which one is it uh, i no particular oh, order. come on you've got to say it now i've mentioned the movie uh it is number three uh, well there you go Fair enough. so i really enjoyed this and as i'm watching it as we were watching it the end. So it is about a, a young you girl. You be careful. I know. You're gonna, young, no, this, you... you can't really talk about this one. You really can't. <sighs> a young girl. People have got to watch this one, John. Th- they do. But if they cannot <sighs> find it, I will at least tell you this. A young girl, seven years old. Wants nine. A, nine. Oh, right, right. Nine years old. Oh, they're just telling me. Nine. Nine. Uh, <laughs> no, this is from uh, Netherlands, this is Netherlands, Netherlands yeah. not, not Germany. Uh, nine years old. Wants the role in a play. Somebody else gets it. She goes to somebody to take care of that girl who got the part. So roughly that that is thing. So the ending of this movie, everybody was just uproariously laughing. And it was it made me think this could only have been done by a European filmmaker. No way would an American filmmaker do this. Yeah. In the the way it was done. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, we can't really talk about it because yeah. we'll be spoiling things. But to go into sort of like some of the other movies which have had similar things, but the main one that I could think of also is a European movie mm -hmm. from very close to the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I'll leave it at that, um, yeah. listeners, and you can work it out for yourselves. <laughs> so, yeah, so I totally agree. That film was incredible. It was really, really funny. It was dark. Um, dark. But the young girl in that, she should have been nominated for something. She was really, really good. Yeah, I mean, uh, getting any kid to to act half decently is is as an, as directors know pretty tricky, mm -hmm. and to get someone who's like a natural like she was, yeah, yeah. excellent, effortless. Uh, my last honorable mention was Il Passaggio from Roma. Il Passaggio. That's my that's in my best comedy ensemble category. Weird. You'd think it won best ensemble. At the award ceremony. <laughs> Way to go out on a limb. Uh, so Il Passaggio, this was hilarious. This is one that I cannot even really spoil because while watching the film, you still are not sure what exactly is happening. But there's a mistaken identity, basically. Yeah. Uh, and the character is kind of going through the motions. They think that he is something else without exactly laying it out for you. Yeah, I mean it's it's a classic um, farce of misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. People talking past each other completely to great dark comic effect, and I think the genre for this one was dark comedy. I believe so. Um, uh, the the um, lead actor for this was also up for best actor, mm -hmm. um, and he could easily have uh, gotten that as yeah. well. I think he he was fantastic. So yeah, those were all of my honorable mentions. I gave one of my best of, only because you kind of led into it. So go go ahead and give another one of your best of. Um, okay. Uh, so, and this might be on your one of your top two, uh, but uh, an honorable mention that I have for best comedy ensemble is uh, for the Côte d'Azur movie Marginaux. Um, which they translated as Misfits, mm -hmm. um, which uh, won um, at the, I mean, the actual film Palooza won uh, Best Actor and was the overall winner. John, do you have this in your top three? No. Oh my gosh. I do not. Really? I really, really, I really enjoyed it. It was definitely hilarious. Another mistaken identity type of. I don't even mistake it wasn't a mistaken identity. It was uh, just a mistake. <laughs> it was a bad mistake. Um, um, to, to great comic, comic effect. Yes. I actually thought that the ensemble for Il Passaggio was um, a be better uh, than than Cortezo, who, who were nominated for uh, best ensemble acting as well. Mm -hmm. But the uh, the lead actor, um, he was really good. He was really, yeah. really good. He, uh, it was well done. He, I mean, sort of, there was lots of opportunity for completely overdoing this and hamming this up. Um, but he, he just about kept it in check most of the time. Uh, mm -hmm. And you can't argue with the nominations that he also had for Best Director. Um, yeah. uh, and it was shot well, edited well, sound was great. Um, good overall package and, mm -hmm. and uh, pretty amusing. Again, yeah. wasn't probably my favorite comedy, I would say, but um, it, was, uh, it was pretty amusing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was definitely very funny, but yeah, that is not on my list. Oh. My number two Ooh. is actually now that I look at my list, uh, is the only American movie on my list for both the best and the honorable mentions. Oh. Uh and again, I mean, Team Mighty Tripod, sorry, you weren't you're not in this. Uh sad. But 
my my number two for best and the only North American movie represented was Take It All Away from Nashville. Hmm. This one, it was hilarious. So first of all, it is a musical, uh, but not a typical musical. The reason that I liked it so much is not only was it really funny and the acting was was great, but in the middle of this musical, the other people in the film, in this world in which this musical is happening, have no idea what is happening. And the way it was intercut with this huge musical number where the guy has a guitar and everything is really cut and edited and sounds great like they recorded it in his studio, it will then cut to basically the woman's perspective, the woman in holding interviewer. This, this interviewer, and she just sees the guy doing an air guitar singing just raw into mm-hmm. the camera and the woman who is supposed to be playing this keyboard is just typing on the desk like it was hilarious the song itself has been stuck in my head <laughs> and i have actually fortunately this one is on the 48 hour film website so i actually have gone and watched this one again mainly for the music so i really liked this one and that actually leads me into uh, a tweet that was sent uh, one of the listeners uh, speaking of which, on Twitter, at About Treeview, uh, she sent a tweet saying, Please do an episode on your favorite and least favorite musicals. I think that'd be awesome. Also, please tell me Seven Brides for Seven Brothers would be one of your faves. <laughs> uh, and that is something that Andy and I have joked about doing a musical episode before. Uh, Andy and yeah. I both love mm. musicals. Um, I, I, I have a love-hate relationship with musicals, John. Yeah, so I think that would be really interesting so thank you for uh, for reaching out and i'm always up for episode suggestions oh yeah but take it all away from nashville collaborative productions I th- or product collaborative productions uh, from the nashville uh, 48 hour film fest hilarious yeah i, I really, really uh, it, it was it was a great movie um can't say anything more about it other than yeah it was uh, it, so well done again 48 hours for yeah that especially with something like this or if it were just the interview sections, it would still be funny. But it looks like a music video <laughs> in parts of it. The production value was really good. One other quick thing about Tomorrow or Morgen is Herzan. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Netherlands listeners, if you're listening. Um, I wrote down In the Dark. That was the biggest crowd favorite. As far as like when that film ended... The audience, like, they clapped and were louder, I think, for that one than anything else. Hmm. Interesting. So. Yeah. But yeah, so that was that was my, my number two. Take it all away. Okay. So um, what I have down as best comedy and was my number two for the film festival mm. from Leuwarden. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, actually, I'm sorry. I um, apologize to all Leuwardeners, uh, how they really pronounce it. Uh, Leuwarden uh, is in the Netherlands. Unless I'm very much mistaken, which I don't think I am. Uh, and for their film, Giraffe, mm-hmm. um, which, okay. So <laughs> if we said if we said that the um, the movie, uh, um, oh, which uh, Morgan is on, uh, got the, the biggest gasp of laughter, mm-hmm. I felt that uh, Giraffe got the overall most laughter through the entire movie. Because, I mean, sort of pretty much right from the get-go, you had people laughing because mm-hmm. this this crazy concept is is just is just like 
is is, is six minutes of of funny mm-hmm. basically uh again it's not something that we we can spoil but i believe um that should be on the website is i think that right? yeah i think it is okay as well yeah so you and, and totally go and, and watch this because it's it's so funny and it's it's so well done um mm-hmm. so like the main characters are, are are brilliant in it um this is this also could have been ensemble Easily. Like, I, I mean, the, the categories that it did win were best writing, mm-hmm. no argument with that, nope. and third overall, which, you know, I guess, yeah, yeah. okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But no, I mean, it was, uh, it was, uh, it, it was brilliant all the way through and mm-hmm. so well shot, so well edited, sound was great. Everything was good about it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, which very succinctly leads into... My number one, oh. my, my my best oh, of what one was that? This John? festival is a little film. Yeah, where from? Where's, uh, it, where's it from? It is from Luard. Oh my <laughs> uh, god! And it is called wow. Giraffe. <laughs> <laughs> I love this film. Like, and again, going into it, Andy and I had not seen it. it. We missed it at whatever screening block it was in, so I had no idea what to expect. Mm-hmm. Which I highly, highly recommend people go and find it. Uh, if I can, I will put the link. In the, uh, in the show notes uh, below, go and find this. It took me by surprise from beginning to end. It was hilarious. And we've talked about this before. Uh, it had a gag reel at the end at that, again, that one minute. You credits. love that gag reel. I yeah. love a gag reel. Yeah. <laughs> and especially in a movie like this, the gag reel was incredible because watching this movie and everyone is so serious in this work environment i was like how did the how many takes yeah. did it take how could you to keep get a this? straight face while doing this it was <laughs> yeah. so but so much fun to make oh my Absolutely. gosh wow yeah, i would so, have loved to be on that film if i could speak dutch <laughs> yeah <laughs> actually you didn't i'm not much of a spoiler here but you didn't really need to speak dutch to be in this movie that that is true <laughs> there, there are a couple characters who i don't think say anything but you hear them yeah 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 um so yeah that that was my my best of from beginning to end i just i had a great time with it it was hilarious and i, I was i was surprised that it only took third overall but yeah it, it was yeah. for sure i mean it could have slid in as best ensemble or at least nominated like a it number of writing. categories definitely yeah. so she was great like as best actress like yeah I think giraffe overall could have been in the most nominated categories, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's fair. Yeah, um, my best overall is Ooh, here we go uh, one which didn't actually get into the finals. Ooh, um, a dark horse. It, it, yeah, dark horse, and I would like to watch it again to confirm how I felt about it. And I'm saying it's the best overall. Um, because it covered so um, so many different categories, it had um, the acting in it was brilliant. I mean, sort of hmm. all the people in it um, were really really good. Okay. Um, the effects. There were some special effects in this. Uh, special effects slash cinematography. You might want to call. Oh, well, you can go. I mean, they're, they're different. I know, but I mean, both uh, categories. I think it could easily have gotten uh, an honorable mention for. Okay. Um, the story was also, uh, very good. It was clever. I mean, it's sort of, I mean, sort of, it, it is in a, 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 a story arc, which is covered a lot, which is kind of like the transition from, from life to death. Uh, okay. so a lot of films cover that. Country but of it, origin? Um, okay. So, 
<laughs> the country of origin is Poland. Okay. Uh, the, Known for their humor. No, <laughs> they're a witty people. Uh, the name of the movie, uh, the, uh, the short was Guns and Horses. Okay. And the city it comes from... The and and the, oh, the please, director please no 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 the, the the director of the city actually pronounced it properly and I should have listened to him mm. I should John sometimes when people say things you should listen to them <laughs> right and I should have listened to him us folks us American uh, uh, folks mm. sorry sorry you American that was like folks. spoiler alert <laughs> um, pronounce the city as Rocklaw that's W R O C L A W okay and it's it's I think it's in Polish it's pronounced something like something like that i mean there's lots of sounds, good sounds in it uh but we'll call it rocklaw for now um and it was it, and and there was there was a little bit of music in it and the guy mm-hmm. who's the 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 lead actor also plays music so he was he, you know clearly playing the music and singing this stuff himself um it was just edited really well the sound is fantastic i mean oh. sort of there were films which would funnier there were films with better special effects okay there were films with maybe an actor or actress you know who were you know overall better uh there were strong ensembles but this had just everything in a package and hmm. again i'd like to i mean maybe i was, was just the name like, of it again guns and, horses. guns and horses and also it was in a really difficult uh genre which was western yeah no, I mean, uh, next to, to romance and possibly coming of age, um, Western, especially if you're in Poland, and again, you've got <laughs> a 48 not hours. You've got 48 hours to make a, a, a Western in Poland. Mm-hmm. The, the, I mean, sort of the, the, the cleverness of what they did to, to get this um, was v- really impressive. So um, hmm. I. I will have to say that Concentrico the one that we talked about earlier was also in, I think the Western category. Mm. And when we talked about stretching that genre, mm-hmm. it, th- there were some Western elements yeah. in it. But this you- one, I mean, this one, this one at least kind of like stuck, I mean, roughly to the concept. Again, it, this was a, a transition from life to death movie. If there was mm-hmm. such a, a genre to have, but I mean, sort of the elements of it very much placed it into Western. So again, they stuck to their category, their genre, despite it being a really difficult genre for them to work with. So my, my, um, proverbial 10 gallon hat is hmm. is off to them uh for producing something uh of that quality okay it's funny Excellent. funny john how neither of us actually mentioned in anything up to this point the actual winner which is a bit unfair because um okay. the overall winner uh was uh called uh was it bio buddy well the, no the best film was marginal oh best film was marginal marginal okay i'm sorry uh, the second, place place second place was, was bio buddy, buddy. Which Prague <laughs> uh, movie from Prague, uh, Czech, uh-huh. Czech Republic. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, the ensemble was good. Um, the 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 surprise ending was good. <laughs> but mm-hmm. but it, it it it. I mean, sort of like in in this kind of like uh, really tough group of amazing movies. It it didn't stand out quite as much as yeah. some of these other ones did. I, I so was, I was surprised. I was surprised, I was surprised by that also. I was yeah. surprised. Good Melv. I mean, good movie. Don't, don't, don't For sure. say that we're not saying it's a good movie, but. I, but I, it was a surprise. Yeah. It, it was a dark horse that kind of just came out of nowhere. 
Um, Especially as it didn't win any, uh, wasn't it? I don't think it was even nominated for any of the acting categories, was it? Or was it nominated yeah, for sure. ensemble? No, I don't think it was. So, so but yeah. So, but yeah, the best film was a film that we did talk about, Marginal, uh from Cote d'Azur. Uh, very, very funny. So, I think that about wraps it up for the forty-eight hour film project, Filmapalooza, that was here in Seattle. Uh, quickly. I really want to give a shout out to Mark and Liz and Austin and Sheila and Emmett and Kirk and everybody who was involved with 48 Hour Film Festival. A big thank you to SIF Uptown for hosting it and being very patient as they had. There's a little bit of a kerfuffle uh, on, the, on the final night when they're doing the best of screening. But the staff there was really great. But just everybody who was involved with the 48-hour film project, from the filmmakers to the staff of the organization, everybody was great. And and so, yeah, just thank you guys for letting us cover this incredible event. I The next step is these films or selection of these films goes to the Cannes Film Festival. Wow. So that would be... Uh, Pretty incredible. So, Andy, if you want to get us some tickets to the Cannes Film Festival, okay, I think I could get us into the screening of the 48-hour film project. All right, yeah. And I'm I'm paying for the plane tickets as well, right? Is that... Well, yeah. I, th- I thought we talked about that, but yes. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, everybody there, all the films that were presented, congratulations for winning your local city. Uh, I loved seeing the films from around the world. Congratulations to all of the winners, which you can find uh, on Twitter. So, at at 48 hour film proj p-r-o-j uh they recently as they were going up they were posting them so that was great and also on facebook they have a very very good main facebook page for the 48 hour film project they live streamed the award ceremony so i was just i was impressed i was thoroughly impressed by the organization of of this of this whole event yeah because coordinating this could not have been easy not just getting the filmmakers from around the world, but everything that it took to make this happen. Uh, the Maxwell Hotel was a great host for. I'm some guessing of the they don't have a budget of millions to do this either. So. New, unlike yeah, I mean, compare this to a lot of other film festivals that happen around the country and here in Seattle, because Seattle has like thirty. I want to say thirty film festivals throughout the year. This one and what they are able to do from bring people all over the, all over the world was incredible. So. That was about it for part one of this episode. The next part uh, is going to be about Emerald City Comic Con, which Andy is not going to nope. uh, because he is not cool I'm enough. Not a nerd. Oh, whatever. Uh, <laughs> says the person who is all the cinematography of this film. <laughs> yeah, you are. Anyway, uh, so for part one, uh, I have been that guy named John. And I am Dr. Andy. So thank you again for listening and stay tuned for part two covering the Emerald City Comic Con and a review of the new film Beauty and the Beast, which is not a 48-hour film project film. So thanks for listening, and yeah, hang on. All right, so this is now part two of the episode. You just got done listening to Dr. Andy and I uh, talk about the amazing 48-hour film fest Filmapalooza that happened, and now I'm joined by the guest that I alluded to in the first part, the fan favorite, the <laughs> crowd favorite. pleasing, <laughs> people's critic definitely, Tim Hall. Definitely a crowd pleaser. Of course. Welcome, well, welcome, I, Tim Hall. Thank you. It's good to be part of uh, part two. <laughs> yeah. 
Hopefully, <gasps> hopefully we're not a bad sequel. No, no. Like Hangover Two or oh gosh, yeah, there's a lot. Or, or Hangover Three, Bad Santa Two. You know, oh yeah, Hangover Three was terrible. Yeah, I remember being so angry watching that movie. Mm-hmm. I was like, because it, it's it got so bad that it started to ruin the first movie for me. <laughs> I was like, you've really taken these really fun characters and made them absolutely annoying. useless. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Wait well, no, Mr. So. Chow in the third movie. Oh, yeah. There was so much Mr. Chow. I was like, it's, he's cool in doses. He's, it's not someone you want to give mm-hmm. a whole movie to. Yeah. Like, Jar Jar Binks getting a whole movie would uh, be weird. No. Yeah. Hopefully never will happen. Yeah, you never know. Um. Anyway, so we are actually we are in a, a satellite location of the About Your View Studios, <laughs> mainly because there were some scheduling changes and uh, we had to make do with what we have. So right. if it sounds a little bit different than the dulcet, amazing tones as the regular studio, I apologize. But this is what you do when you uh, when you have a creative well, outlet. You have a nice little mobile setup, so it works. Exactly. I, I do what I can. Is this a power pack? What is this? Yeah. Wow. Of course it is a power yeah. pack. I wish they sponsored me, so yeah. they could, they could <laughs> shout me more of them. You shout them out? Yeah. Um, I won't say the name, but yeah, that's cool. Nice. Uh, okay, so on this part, we're going to be talking briefly about the Emerald City Comic Con. Yes. Which, for some dumb reason, you did not go to this I year. It's not, a, it's not a dumb reason. <laughs> I applied for my press, didn't get it. We've talked about this, Yes. Right? I don't know how they do their press. I don't know who gets in, who doesn't. Different years I have, years I haven't. And so by the time that happened, I, it was sold out. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, this is just be a year I don't go. See, it's the first s- time in like seven years I haven't gone. Exactly. And you say that. And yet I applied for my press, did not get it. Yeah. I found a way to go. Yeah. I was just hmm. over it. <laughs> and this was at the time where I was like not feeling well. So I was kind of oh, like, okay. It's kind of over everything at that point. Just like, you know what? Let me not care so much. And just, I, I don't know. I had to change my. Right, a year ago, I'm probably upset about it. Mm-hmm. I was kind of not upset. It's like you know, it'll be your I don't go. That's fine. I'll make sure to go next year. And um, it is March. It's March. We still have in Seattle. Yeah, twenty cons this yeah. year. Right. If you really want to just get your con right. fix, exactly. So, and not those are just ones like in Seattle. Exactly. I was talking to some vendors at Emerald City. Uh, I mean, there's Jet City mm-hmm. Comic Show in Tacoma. Like we have Portland has a nice one. So too. much stuff around us. So, right. yeah, I, I get you. I get right. you. Uh, so I went on Sunday. So we'll talk a little bit about that, and then we will go into the Beauty and the, the Beast Beauty review. The Beast. Yes. <laughs> so right off the top, uh, Emerald City Comic Con this year, I only could go Sunday. Mm-hmm. I was late getting there because it was just chaos. Right. So I felt rushed. Mm-hmm. And similar to when I did the PAX episode and the Seattle Indie Expo, with something like Comic-Con, you need to go for more than one day Absolutely. or get there at 10 a.m. and be there all day. Yeah. My friend Ian, he went, he was there all day Saturday. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, man, I was there when it opened until it ended. Yeah. He left like right before it was over. I was like, yeah. It's funny because I was sitting home last night watching television thinking like if i had gone mm-hmm. this is the point of the week where i'm exhausted true like three days in a row mm-hmm. all day going to different panels running around you're on your feet a lot mm-hmm. it's noisy it's crowded it's kind of packed it's fun absolutely but it, it, it can all it's also super exhausting so mm-hmm. but yeah I, I miss it you know i just like being there i like the energy i like the people 
um, Artist Alley is probably by far my favorite thing about the whole thing, which is probably maybe maybe a good thing, right? I save money not going because I would have went <laughs> and bought a bunch of unnecessary artwork to mm-hmm. add to my pile of unnecessary artwork I have at home, mm-hmm. unframed, just sitting. Yeah. In oh, it, yeah, exactly. But I just give it away as gifts. I just gave my friend's daughter this Wonder Woman uh, that I bought from Terry Blass, who's a great artist, um, and I'm giving away. My friend's moving to a new place. And I'm just going to send it to her. She lives in Jacksonville. I'm just going to send it to her. And there you go. Hang up in her house. So that's what I've been doing with my artwork. But yeah, I love Artist Alley. Mm-hmm. I love the panels. Uh, I hate all the questions sometimes because people get yeah. kind of funky. Yeah. So I only went to what is it is kind of crazy when I was thinking about it last year uh-huh. when this podcast was just an infant. Yes. It was like episode three or four Two or three, yeah it was, it was early on yeah and we, we were talking about, about it so now we about j- my love for logan browning yeah which she was not there this year that love is still there, <laughs> the <love laughs> is still there. she's gonna be in dear white people on netflix so yes I'm, I'm definitely i'm looking forward to seeing her in that yeah uh logan if you are listening to this <laughs> if you're listening uh you and i touched base a Hello. while ago yes i still would love to have let's you talk, on the show yeah, let's talk about uh let's talk about her show yeah uh, so no, she was not there. No. Speaking of panels, though, that's that's a bummer. Uh, <laughs> I only went to a couple of them. Uh, I went to one that was how to be a con artist. It was mm-hmm. basically about m- turning your passion into a profession, right? Because every year I see it, you have seen it or overheard it. You go to Artist Alley. Right. Someone is getting something signed. Someone is doing a commission, and that person is asking, "Man, how do you do it?" Mm-hmm. I'm an artist too. Right. So this panel was like, okay, this is what we have done. Mm-hmm. These are steps you can take if you want to. Right. Here's the information. So it was interesting. Um, I definitely liked. Is it, is it hard to set out to be an artist? Is it pretty easy? Well, that is the thing is it is relatively easy when you think of, okay, I need to pay for a booth space. Okay. Gotcha. I need to pay for all of the materials that it will take to set up the booth. Okay. But the biggest thing that they talked about that I think made the most sense is these artists, there was a panel of four people Mm -hmm. and they were like, be engaging. Yes. You and I have seen it at different cons over the years. There are some artists, which is totally fine. It is their personality, it is their motif. Just sit there and casually talk to people. You go by other ones that people are standing up. They're yes. engaging with the That's fans. Yeah, like John Jang, I bought a bunch. He's out of the Bay Area. I bought a mm-hmm. bunch. Of, I buy stuff from him every year because he's he's really engaging. Yep. He's even engaging on the internet. Yeah. That he's just an engaging person. When I, I remember the first piece I bought from him, he was you know it was really cool. And I came back and saw him the next year. He had a very similar setup and he had very distinct looking artwork. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Hey, what's up, man? You came back?" I was like, "Yeah." Nice. He was like, cool. And we just sort of talked about other stuff other than art stuff, just like mm-hmm. what he's been up to. And it was really cool. It's like, hey, man, I made this new piece. He made like a new, it was like a Iron Man thing. He's like, this is the new thing I brought this year, you know. And it was cool. So, yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. Being engaging is, is 60% of the gig because people can get art anywhere. They can spend exactly. their money anywhere, right? Um, but if you're engaging and you're talking to people and you're interested in them, you look people in their eyes, I think it helps. Yeah, for sure. And so I went to that panel not because I'm an artist. I right. cannot draw no. at all. No. But I went to it because I knew that they would have some interesting takes on just being a creator right. and how to take those next steps if you want to. Right. If not, these days you can set up an Etsy store. You can set up you know, your own store and just do it all. You, you know, it's funny. That, um, so my friend's husband draws and he's mm-hmm. really good. And I'm, every year I'm like, yo, he needs to get in there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) because he has two daughters and I was like there's a need for 
strong female characters that aren't they don't have their cleavage showing that right. aren't right to just that are just that's that so when i got that one woman piece i was walking around the con with it and everyone kept asking me where i got it from nice like everyone was like yo where did you get that and i was like oh this guy he's just up there mm-hmm. um so there's a need for it so if you have an idea if you've got something you want to do i would suggest just doing it and mm-hmm. just it, it's going to cost you a lot on the front end to get the art ready for sure. but people sell out the one guy we saw one guy last year who uh he sold out. He made like the Seahawk Transformer thing, just okay. as a gag. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll do this, and like sold out. He was literally he had like three people at his booth. Mm-hmm. He was literally leaving to go print more Sheesh. to come back because he was like, "Yo, I didn't know people were gonna buy it." That was a good problem to have. Yeah. <laughs> so he like left and came back. Yeah. So they they talked about that, yeah. and you know, so the upfront cost. You were totally right. Yeah. You got to bite the bullet though. Yeah. You know, and so it's worth it. But just go for it. You yeah. know, try it out. And again, getting into Emerald City. Yeah, as a first step, that might be a little tough. Right. But there are so many cons, and branch out like Sakura Con. We have anime conventions. Right. Try those out. Create an Etsy store. Have your artwork on there. Have mm-hmm. a card. Let people go. People who maybe can't, maybe they spend all their money. Let them be able to get your art somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. So for sure. So that was really cool. Uh, I stopped into the uh, Vincent D'Onofrio yeah. panel, uh, which is on the main stage. That was awesome. Like he is a great guy. He is giant. Yeah. He is a very large man, <laughs> but it was just, it was funny. Cause like the, uh, the woman who was interviewing him, you know, there's talking about, you know, daredevil right. and, and getting into the mindset of the kingpin. And, and he talked about, it, he was like, my wife didn't want to be around me wow. for a couple months because he just, he had to get into that, that mindset. Right. And of course he had to shave. And I mean, he yeah, was no, already he, imposing. He looked menacing as the, as the kingpin. Yeah. yeah. So that was really cool. Just kind of hear more of, of that process. Mm-hmm. And of course, everybody was like, are you going to be in Spider-Man? <laughs> no, are you gonna, and it was like, no, he can't say anything. Well, yeah, yeah true. even if he was, but no, he's not. That being said in the amazing or not amazing Spider-Man, but whenever it gets made homecoming, yeah, not when it gets made, it, it is already made, made. Yeah. Would you, would you want to see Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin from the TV show? Yes. In a Spider-Man. Absolutely. I, I go back and forth because I don't want a new Kingpin. Well, no, no, definitely not. I think it is either him or nothing. Yes. I just, I just think that it would be an interesting transition to have this kind of ground level Netflix villain then go into the larger than life. I'm okay if they don't, but also cool if they do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, So people just like with, you know, Ben Affleck doing interviews for another movie. Right. Man, you know that everybody, when they only want to hear about one thing, <laughs> yeah, that is right. what every question is going to be. <laughs> so that was pretty anyway, cool. Anyway, tell us about the Batman. He's like, uh, I'm here for, what was it? Live by, by night. night. Yeah. I don't <laughs> want to talk about Batman. I'm a bootlegger, guys. They're like, yeah, tell us about the Bat. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Uh, so yeah, that was pretty cool. Like I said, I was just, I was rushed around. Uh, I spent a lot of time in the giant uh, comics section. Yeah. Because I heard the layout was different this year. It was weird. I mean, like I weird in a good way. I, I well, I heard about it that there was a change. Okay. To me, it was okay just because everything was still it was really separated. Right. But like I said, is it ours? Alex was on like one floor. Yeah, the sixth floor. So it was on the top. So all so the sixth floor is all nothing but art. Right. Huh. So so but so they they also in, had the exhibitors the, yeah. on the. What that main the, floor where the Sky Bridge is at? Yes. So so you're at the Sky Bridge, you go left, and there's like the big comic stuff in there and exhibitors. 
mm-hmm. and it used to be like part of Artist Alley was over there, and nope. another part was on the. So what else was over there? Past the exhibitors, like it's just all exhibitors on that floor. Mainly exhibitors. Wow, that so, whole space. There were exhibitors, and there were a ton of comic shops. Like that took up probably half or a quarter of that whole show space. Really? So wow, that wow. was that was pretty cool. I mean, that was the main thing that I was huh. going for because there are certain issues that I just am hunting for. Right. As every comic book collector does yeah absolutely uh and so i just i'm hunting for a certain few i went to every single store and they're like oh yeah i know the comic you're looking for i've only seen two of those (laughs) i'm like really so but that was really cool i mean just talking to those guys was there any cool cosplay you saw there was some amazing cosplay i took some pictures uh i will start putting those up please do i totally forgot to start you forgot to put yeah. yeah. Well, because as I am there with my new fancy phone, I, I, I know John. <laughs> John's got a. I know. I said, "Hey, did you get a new phone?" Yeah. The other phone was kind of okay. Spoiler alert: I was like four years behind on the iPhone, and that's like twenty years in phone years. Oh, for sure. And I kept getting the message like, "Cannot take photo." I remember we tried to take a video once, and it. <laughs> I was like, Jesus, my man. phone nearly exploded. You said your last phone was twelve gigabytes. Yeah. Yeah. My nephew couldn't even handle that. He's ten. He has no life. He's like twelve. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you've upgraded. Yeah. Well, I think it. And so I took a I'm bunch glad. of pictures. I just, I the forgot. The camera to, on there is nice. Yeah. I just forgot to upload them. So okay. I will put those up by the time you are hearing this episode. All right. Well, so there was definitely. Where, you, where, where are you putting them up at? Oh, on my Twitter. Okay. At About to Review. On uh, Instagram, your Twitter? At About to Review. Yeah. All right. So all of those okay. and the Facebook page. And your Facebook. Uh, right. But yeah, I mean, there were the classic ones. Like there were some, there were two guys who were giant uh, pyramid heads mm-hmm. from Silent Hill. Oh, that's, those are creepy. Yeah. And these guys were huge like they both had not stilts but risers yeah dudes were like eight feet tall yeah that's creepy so and they had giant swords too creepy for me so yeah, yeah. so there's definitely I need to cosplay stuff. one year i've been meaning to do it i was I just, gonna ask something you, i need to do what do you want to be i don't know you know i met these guys a couple years ago at, at emerson city comic-con and they make their own star stormtrooper mm-hmm. things yep we had this whole conversation i was like yo what if i want to make my own iron man can we Ooh. do it? And he's like, absolutely. Well, got- and then my friend Terrence, he he dressed up all the time, and he was like, yeah. I was talking about the lights. He was like, oh yeah, it's easy. He just was like rattling off how to do the lights. And I was like, oh, all right, cool. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit you. Mm-hmm. It's time to do like the lights for the arc reactor and mm-hmm. for for his hands for the blaster. So yeah, one. So I have a couple on my on my on my list okay. that, that I would like to do. Uh, Nightcrawler. Okay. I have always wanted to do. You have to shave for that. Nightcrawler. Yeah, Nightcrawler with the with a beard. With a blue <laughs> beard. <laughs> Nightcrawler. Has so a, Nightcrawler. Okay. Nightcrawler would be incredible, and like old school Nightcrawler. As much as you know, like the, tattoos, everything. No. Okay, that is not I'm old just, school I'm Nightcrawler. Just saying, you know? Like, part of me would want to do like the old swashbuckling Nightcrawler. He had these white shoulder pieces. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like classic the cl- the little Nightcrawler. Sort of triangle outfit he used to wear. Mm-hmm. All right. That would be really cool. I have an idea of how to do the tail okay. in an interesting way. Okay. Uh, Nightwing. I think Nightwing. My yeah, friend loves Nightwing. She might attack you. She loves Nightwing. <laughs> I'm not kidding. She wants to get a Nightwing tattoo. Recent, like The other day we were talking about it. She loves Nightwing. Nice. Now, would she get a tattoo of like, the old school like disco collar? Nightwing? I, she, she hadn't said, but she literally was like, I want to get a Nightwing tattoo. That's how much she's into the character. She was hyped when she heard they were making a Nightwing movie, and I was like, slow down. Like, yeah. I, I get the excitement, but you know, the worst thing you want 
is for them to do the character you love and to, to ruin it. Like True. when I saw Gambit and uh, Taylor and Kitsch, yeah. I was like, and I love Taylor Kitsch. I just was like, this isn't the Gambit. It was, it was this a isn't Gambit. waste. Yeah, yeah, this is a waste. My Gambit needs to have a crazy sock mask. Yes, <laughs> he needs a sock mask. He needs to be Cajun. Mm-hmm. He needs to be a thief. Yeah, yeah, that, that, funny. It's kind of a ladies' man. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. not kind of. Yeah, but, definitely ladies' man. But yeah. like, he thinks he's the coolest person in the room at all times. Mm-hmm. I need that Gambit for sure. Uh, as far as Nightwing in the movies, yeah, my pick, Louis Tan. Who's that? Louis Tan is this amazing actor and martial artist. He's actually going to be an Iron Fist. And a lot of people were real upset when <laughs> he was not cast as Iron Fist. But he wow. is an Iron Fist as one of the people you will see. In okay. It. He's an Iron uh, Fist. Yeah, but I will, definitely, I will wow, tag him uh, on Twitter because yeah. he is incredible. So he would make an incredible okay. Nightwing. Um, i trying to think of other ones. Definitely not Nightman, if I was sticking with the night themes. Right. Do you remember Nightman? No. Nightman was like no. from Malibu. Sounds Mal- racist. Ma- no. It sounds <laughs> incredibly racist. Nightman. Uh, he, it was an old like Malibu comics. No. Imprint. I remember that. They made a TV show no. back in the day. I, listen, I have wow. no idea who you're talking about. He had a Plymouth Prowler, the old car. I'm going to look for it. I'm going to look it up. I'll look up Nightman. That oh, it was really racist. Terrible. One of his powers. Oh, no. He, he, was, a, he was a saxophonist. That is super racist. <laughs> now he's making him a jazz musician. <laughs> he was a saxophonist. Uh, Let me guess. He ate chicken all the time. Yeah, he was a white guy. Loved, oh, what? Yeah. It's, even, it's like Soul Man. <laughs> I think I, yeah, I got struck by lightning. <laughs> it's like Soul Man. Uh, one of his powers, sleep independence. The itis. Which means he never <laughs> what is, sleeps. What, what is this? <laughs> like, what, what are you doing? Seriously, that was one of his powers, that he never needed to sleep. This is dumb. It was, the order didn't work out. That, that is crazy. It was real bad. Um, but yeah. Uh, definitely, and I did get to talk to, big shout out to uh, Tanika Stotts mm-hmm. from Iron Cross Comics. She is awesome. She's okay. a really great writer. Uh, she had a book that I sent her a tweet on Saturday. It was the Elements Anthology, mm-hmm. which is an anthology of creators of color. Okay. And I sent her a tweet and I was like, hey, I was like, I would love to pick one up. By the time I got there on Sunday, she had completely sold out. Oh, no. So, which is a good thing. Right. At the same time, I want it. Yeah. You can so, still get it. Yeah, so shout out to Tanika. She she is awesome. And I think the the Elements has its own Twitter, which you can find on hers. I will link it below. Okay. Um But yeah, that was kinda that was my, my, my Comic Con experience. It was it was fun, but I just I felt stressed because I got there late and it was the last day. So there were already those vibes from the vendors gotcha. being yeah. like I'm ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. Four days is a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Four days with all those people is a lot. So yeah, I get it. Well, next year, next year we'll we'll have a I almost full picked, coverage next year. Yeah, I almost picked up uh, Brainiac's first appearance in Action Comics. Okay, yeah, it was marked at thirteen hundred dollars. Oh no! And the guy was like, you know, it's my last hour. He was like nine hundred. Oh wow! And I was still like, ugh, that's still <laughs> like, a lot. For no, a, not a, a chance. I don't love Brainiac like that. Yeah, but it was just again Sunday is a good time. Yeah, tell people all the time, man. Yep. Sunday is the day to go. <laughs> Get you some discount stuff mm-hmm. for real because they don't want to carry it back with them. Yeah, the only thing that I bought was uh, a full set of the Electra Assassin series right. uh, done by Bill Seinkowitz. Mm-hmm. Incredible series from back in the day. Really eccentric art style. Um, and I had it in bits and pieces, so I just I just bought the whole set. Okay. I will have duplicates, but hey. Did I you get anything signed? No. Oh, okay. It was just, yeah, not enough time. Right. I did send up my buddy Ryan, shout out to Ryan Berkeley, a text. I'm like, hey, he and I constantly go back and forth. He is in Portland. Right. 
So he goes to his local store. I check for stuff up here and we were always trying to help each other out. Sent him a text and I was like, hey, what are you looking for? Sends me a text of what he was looking for. He was like, I want this under this price point. Went to my favorite vendor and I was like, do you have this? Went, pulled it out, boom, sold. Good. Done. All right. So. You're going to send it to him. Yeah. But just things like that. Like if you were looking for specific key issues. Right. Go. It's a place to be. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So yeah, that was my Comic-Con experience. Uh, It was great. Everybody should go. Support your local convention. Whatever it is. Uh, When I was living down. Buy tickets early. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do not be like Tim. Don't be like me. Buy your tickets as early as possible. Yeah. Uh, when I was living down in Oregon, I actually worked at the local comic convention in this small town in Oregon. Wow. It was awesome. It was in like this little like warehouse. Uh, it was free. Oh, that's um, all right. But it was just cool to, to like just hang Be out, around. Yeah. work. But sure. So moving on to the review section of this show, the movie we're going to be talking about is the brand new, uh, it comes out, what, in a week? Week and a half? Yeah, week and a half. Something like that? Next, the 24th. We got to see this one real early, which was super early. Awesome. Similar to Logan. Very similar to Logan. Well, <laughs> okay, well. similar <laughs> that we got to see it early, not similar in yeah. theme. And I think that, man, if the Beast is trying to Wolverine, it's a totally different movie. That would be, or Sabretooth. Yeah, um, totally different movie. And I, th- I think, and you and I have talked about this before, when we get these super early press screenings, usually that means that the studio has a lot of faith. A hundred percent faith in the, because I mean, you're giving people a lot because so when it, when it's screened earlier, usually mm-hmm. the embargo is moved up earlier. Yeah. And so that means people have time to talk about it, review it, mm-hmm. tweet about it, Facebook about it before it opens. Yeah. So this embargo was up the next, the next day, the next like day. not even 24 hours. Clock. Yeah. Not even 24 hours that you could talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so that's two weeks of people saying whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Who's seen it. Yeah. So that, that's a lot of faith in the film. Because if it's trash, then the people are like... That is two weeks of trash. <laughs> right, because the other end of this is there's movies that come out that we don't screen at all. Mm-hmm. Ever. Not a good sign. <laughs> so there's, there's, have you seen our recent list of like... Up, yeah. Up, yeah, there's movies on there we're not screening. Mm-mm. I'm looking at these movies like, this is coming out. We haven't even... Uh, Which part of that's me... Odd. It's there's, odd. There's no screening for this movie. There's a specific movie. It is coming out on March 24th. Yes. I'm still waiting to get the email. <laughs> we're not going to get one. I hope so. Do you really think so? I really hope so. I hope that we get to go, go and see that. That is all I'm going nah, to see about yeah, it. I think. <laughs> I think so. I, I There's another one. Uh, oh, I am sure. Uh, hold on. That was March 24th, too. Hold on. Let me oh, see. is there two? Yeah, there's a lot coming out that week. Uh, oh, there is. Like, the, the email that we got was. was massive. Was pretty in-depth. <laughs> which, which one are you thinking of? I know that there's one on. Uh, it is not Boss Baby, which. Yeah, you know, yeah, this is one on March twenty fourth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we we will see. Yep. We will see. But the movie we're talking about right here, right now, Beauty and the Beast, uh-huh. directed by uh, Bill Condon. Love Bill Condon, who is an Oscar award winner. He uh, is back in ninety nine for Gods and Monsters. Right. This guy, when it comes to musicals, which. I, I get, I, you know, I get real sensitive yeah. about, about my musicals. I, you love your music. Uh, <laughs> so he did Dreamgirls. Yes. Uh, he did Chicago. Like, mm-hmm. this guy gets it. Like, he knows how to do did a musical. Did he do one of the, uh, not Hunger Games movies, but. Uh, did he? I don't, not Hunger Games, but um, what's that other Twilight movies? Didn't he do one? 
He did. Not, not the Maze Runner ones? The other, no, 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 no. <laughs> the other teenagers in I'm Paranormal? Looking up, I'm looking up right now. I think okay. he's one of the Twilight ones. Hold so, on. for those people who, who are unaware who else is in this movie, you have Emma Watson, Dan Stevens, Luke Evans, and Josh Gad are kind of the, the main people. Uh, but I was surprised, like, Kevin Kline uh, was in this. I would not really seen him in much of the press stuff before. Right. But that was really cool. Kevin Kline is really solid. So that was that was nice to have him in there uh, as her father. Um. So what did you think? You are still looking up. No, I, what, I, what I, I'm right. He did. Uh, he did. The Twilight Saga: Breaking Dawn, Part One and Two. Ugh. I knew it. Ugh. I was like, he did one of these Twilight movies. He did. He did Breaking Dawn's Part One and Two. Okay. So. Good. Good for him. Good for him. Uh, but it, you know. Strike that from his, <laughs> you know, not they're not terribly made movies. It's it's the the storyline. It's the story that we yeah. don't dig, but like as Fair a enough. film, they're they're fine. Okay. So, what did you think from the beginning? Okay. Of this film, like be, going into it, were you were there certain things that you were hoping to see, certain things that you did not want to? I was see? curious to ha- as to how they would tie in the music, right? Mm-hmm. And which is not as easy as people think to put in music in a movie and still have a, a story that people want to care about, but also stay true to the original, right? Mm-hmm. And have these songs. And to me, the, the BR guest scene that they have yes. is, is amazing. Cause it's, it's, it's as imaginative as an animated film would be in a mm-hmm. scene like that, but it's still very much a live action sequence. And, I, when I saw that scene, I was like, okay, they clearly know it. I was completely on board for what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And they clearly knew what they were doing for the rest of the film. Um, it's a quite, it's a tightrope to walk. And they they did a great job. Especially with the, with these modern adaptations right. of the classics that, right. that we know. We still are in that period where we are not quite sure. Like, as excited as I get right. for them, I still know about Gun Shy. Of course. Even though Jungle Book blew me away like yeah. absolutely blew me away with what they were able to do we you know it is just we know what those remakes can feel like we yeah. know what those remakes can look like and and it's only bothersome because you love the original so much of course oh I, you have so much such a bizarre attachment to like mm-hmm. these films that you don't want to see it ruined mm-hmm. like i would hate to see someone redo terminator and completely <laughs> ruin it i'd be like oh, yeah. i love terminator like why would you ruin the original james cameron is coming back yeah, come on well, the, the, there's some of that that's in you know some of the trepidation i had going mm-hmm. into it but I, at this point i trust disney right i didn't yeah. love maleficent but it was a good live action remake yeah jungle book was well done incredibly well cinderella done. was well done mm-hmm. so keep making them because yeah. they, w- they will. I mean, oh, they're going to. For sure. And yeah. we've talked about that before. Yeah. Because Disney owns outright. They yeah. own all of these things. They will be remaking these as long as they as can. Long. Especially when they keep making all the money. Oh, and they're making... This is going to make a lot of money. <laughs> this will make all of the money. <laughs> so, from the beginning, one thing... Uh, you brought your friend uh, to, this, to the screen. I did. Uh, and her and I were talking... Keisha's before, crazy, mind you. Before she the, loves all these movies. She just happened to be home and and and, and mm-hmm. off so, and off work. So I was like, you should come hang out and let's yeah. go see it. Yeah. So her and I were hyped, hyped for this movie within the. That's first, an understatement. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. And I, I really try and manage my expectations. No, you guys were giddy singing at the beginning of the movie. I was like, what is this? Yeah. Yeah, that happened. Yeah, um, yeah it did happen. <laughs> but it, it was, was pretty empty theater, so we were, you were fine. That was that was really nice. Um, yeah. 
So from the beginning, kind of opening scene, this uh-huh. opening dance number with uh, Dan Stevens in his human form. Yeah. Some of the first people you see. Yeah. And shout out to our good friend Jess from the Curly Nerd Podcast. I'm going to borrow this from her. <laughs> I'm going to borrow the black girl hand clap right now. Yes. And that's what I'm going to do. Black girl mm. magic. Yes. There's a lot of brown people in this as movie. As soon as this movie opens and like it's a lot of brown ball, people. And I was like, I was just blown away. I was like, yeah. there are people of color in this movie. Lots of them. And so I turned to, <laughs> turned to a friend. And I was like, is this happening? Like, is this real life? Yeah. Like, yeah. It was incredible. That type of thing. And the person singing at this ball is yeah. Audra McDonald. Right. Anybody who knows anything about musicals knows Audra McDonald. Yeah. People who do not, that is okay. This woman has six Tonys, right. more than any other person in the history of Tonys, right. and she is up there. She's incredible. incredible. Yeah, it, it was good, and the music was good, and I love Dan Stevens, so it was good to see him yeah. get more work because you know I and, love him. And uh, one of your, uh, sorry, Logan, uh, one of your other, uh, I know. one of your other girls is in this. showed up. I was, I was happy to see that. Gaga for Gugu over she's here. She's amazing, man. Good to see her getting more work, man. She's, she's good. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the opening human scene. Yeah. And immediately, you see people of color. I was thrilled. But, but even through when, when, when Belle's doing her little, the little intro to Belle and mm-hmm. she's singing through the town and it's about how she's some, you know, they think she's Outcast weird. And, and, yeah. yeah. It's very racially mixed in that town. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, oh, okay. Which isn't, it, it is crazy to me that we're like, Good for them. That should not be something no, that we should but, but we realized, like, you know, a lot of what we've seen sometimes in film doesn't reflect our real world, right? Yeah. People are writing stories that centers around them and it centers their experience. And so they cast people that look like them and they're not thinking about the world outside of it, right? But for like my friend's daughters who are going to see the film, mm-hmm. um, I'm happy they get to see a film with people that look like them in it, right? Just like Moana. Yeah, exactly. Like, I immediately text my friend. Um, she's from Hawaii. As soon as I watched, I was like, Says, go see this. <laughs> you've got to go see this. She's like, really? I was like, you need to see it. I knew she was going to, te- she teared up in the first five minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's because it was like seeing herself and her family, you know, represented in this animated film, not even live action, but yep. it's an animated story. Um, so it, it's helpful. I'm glad that the Disney is sort of the front runner of doing that. Which, well, kind of the front runner because you and I both watch a lot of BBC. Yes. Every, oh, they've been ahead of the game in for years. every BBC yeah. historical period for piece, years. which is ninety percent of what they do, yeah. there are people of color in everything. But, but so even like, even their modern stuff, like yeah. Doctor Who, like right. But I'm talking about like historical yeah. things. For the most part, when a lot of other filmmakers put something, and filmmakers, it could be TV show, whatever, right? Put something in historical time period. Right. No people of color yeah, and none. BBC, like uh, Merlin. Yeah, like, I remember Merlin, an old crappy show. Yeah. That I watched way too much of. Like there are people of color in that because I was like, hey, guess what? They were here. Right. Like I, I it is weird that we are applauding that, but at the same time, it was great. Right. Really, really great to see that the librarian, the librarian. in the town. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. So Yeah. Within the first ten minutes, my cheeks hurt from how much I was smiling. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could t- I could I could hear you enjoying yourself. I mean my bias. No, the- I mean, bias aside, I'm someone who, like, I don't love Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. That's not something that's, like, part of my childhood, and I don't run around singing the songs. Mm-hmm. Just, just as a film goer and a film lover, mm-hmm. I thought it was incredibly well done. Yeah. 
I thought Emma Watson, for all the people's angst about her, she was fine. Oh, okay. I hear so, big, look at the doubt on your face. What is what this is, is something that is I, it her teeth? What don't you like about it? No, that would be your girl from Rogue One. Uh, <laughs> I, listen, I love Felicity Jones. Come on, her teeth are too big for come her on, face. Anyway, come on. so the thi- and I got a kind of chew cud on okay. this one. I was all on board for Emma Watson. I was like, give her a chance. Do yes. this and that. I gave her a chance. She was not as great as I wanted her to be. Okay. Um, fair. That's fair. To the That's point. Fair. To the point where, one, one linguistical irregularity that really bothered me, which <laughs> you're not the first one to say. It. Someone else said this to me afterwards too. It's so funny. So the way that she pronounces "papa," yeah, was cringe worthy. Because here's the thing: papa. If you flip the phonetic sounds from those, right. from the first one, you have "pa," "paw," yeah. and then like "puh," "papa." Like Papa. Papa. That is fine. If you flip it around, it sounds dumb. Yeah. She's like a bird. It was weird. And it, she did. Like, it was weird. It was weird. And every time she did. And, and I knew it was coming. Yeah. Like in so many interactions. Right. And I it just like, it made me just, ugh. Who, I wonder who she was. I want to see like the visual effects. Cause who was she acting with? Was like a, was it Dan Stevens in like a green suit? Probably. Like, what? Or, or yeah. something. Or it felt like she was acting with an actual person. Not oh. like looking up at like a tennis ball on a stick, <laughs> right? Um, so yeah, so that that part bothered me. Another, and this, this is me just kind of you know picking things apart from a linguistic point of view. This is a small quote, small provincial town in France, yes. right? Yes. So in the opening, bonjour, bonjour. bonjour. Everyone says bonjour. How, mu- how much French is in this movie? Not uh, one little two lines. Yeah, yeah. Bonjour and. At one point, LeFou and Gaston are having this great interaction on right. a hillside. And Gaston is talking about Belle, and he was like, she has a certain, and LeFou goes, je ne sais quoi? Yeah. And Gaston looks at me and was like, I don't know what that means. And I was <laughs> like, whoa. so whoa, 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 hold on. Yeah. You are a they're, French They're person. making him out to be a bit of a meathead. I get, but. Okay, can, can we talk about LeFou <laughs> and his character? Yes. There's a lot of hubbub about him being a gay character. Mm-hmm. People don't want to see it. People... I'm asking you, you honestly. You've watched the movie. Mm-hmm. If if no one told you he was gay, would you know? So here is the thing. So all of the controversy over this quote unquote gay agenda, yeah, of the, they're brainwashing our kids, yeah. Okay, so yes, he is a little effeminate, and he dances with some of the girls in the in the thing or that during the big song, but he does that in the movie. He is right. not as aloof and as dumb as he is in the movie, right? But at the same time, like, I do not understand what the big deal is. Would you all. Would you know he was gay? No. I don't think you would say, oh, he's a little effeminate, but you mm-hmm. wouldn't think. But the sort of the effeminate nature they give him is sort of contrast to Gaston Bravado. Of course. Gaston Bravado. And so that's, it plays more like that. Like, like oh, he's an opposite of, mm-hmm. of, of Gaston versus this is a gay character. Yeah. And there's a scene with, where the guy gets all, they all get wrapped up in, in mm-hmm. women's clothes and he's got makeup yeah. on. That's one hundred percent more gay than anything. LaFouda. Which that like, was the thing. As we, if people were saying I don't like that scene, I'd be like, okay, I get what you're. I I think it's ridiculous, but I could see why you would say that. But going into the movie with all this hubbub about this, I was looking for. Yeah, it, I was waiting I, for like a scene with him, like with a boyfriend something. or like. And the only scene that I thought was yeah towards the end. At the very it's at the very the very end. end. I mean, and again, there's not a it's spoiler. Like a, there's two like, seconds of yeah, it. climactic battle of the castle. Right. Three dudes get wrapped up in women's clothing with wigs and makeup. 
two dudes get all scared. And they run off. One guy does like he's a looking really himself nice, in the mirror. Really nice like smile, yeah. wink and nod. These are three like tough guys yeah. in the movie. And that was it. <laughs> that was it. And then and at the very end you see them you see them dancing. Right. Like for like a half a second. That's so I do not yeah. understand the controversy. And, and, and I think it's people being upset about nothing. Like there's yeah. really not nothing there. And again, do you do you really think Disney is no. like, oh, we better we better be worried about these four articles? My nephew's ten; he's gonna be eleven soon. When he watches it, I'll ask him, did he see any gay characters? Mm-hmm. And the one character he's gonna bring up is yeah. the unknown goon who gets wrapped up in women's <laughs> right. clothing. He wouldn't think at all about anything else. Nope. It's, yeah. So if you, if you're listening to this and you're concerned about it, it's it's literally nothing in the movie. Nothing. It's nothing. We only know because they told us. Exactly. Like. <laughs> exactly. If no one had said anything, I would have no idea. Nope. And I would not have been looking for no. it throughout the movie. Yeah, and that's the thing. I was like, oh, I was sort of like watching him, waiting for something to happen, and nothing happens. Like, I was, nothing I was waiting happens. for yeah, like maybe Gaston and LeFou for LeFou to have like some lovelorn, you know, something. Yeah, I thought it was gonna be some some unrequited nope. love for Gaston that it was gonna be in the film. No. And yeah. here's the thing: they could have easily done that, mm-hmm. and they just, they don't. They don't do anything nope. with it. He sort of is, is trying to coach Gaston through his whole ridiculousness of wanting to be with Belle. Yeah. That's it. That's his whole gig is like he's sort of the dumb friend who mm-hmm. just – Which is, is, is Gaston's yes man. Yeah. That, that happens. That is a, a typical so thing in cinema, but whatever. So, so to, the, to the performances. Yes. Like I said, Emma Watson was – You I, hate Emma Watson. I do not hate Emma Watson. Tweet her and tell her that. About <laughs> <laughs> Uh, got John. I, I, I think that she is is good. It just the more I watched the movie, the more I was into it. It just it stopped working for me as much as I would have liked it to. Okay, that is fair. Um, Dan Stevens, love love, love Dan Stevens for what we see of him yeah. was great. He's good. Um, love one him. of the one of the surprising things. So Luke Evans, Luke, my like, favorite in the movie. He was actually really he was really good, really good as Gaston. And, and you again, hated him. No, I did not hate him. I mean, like, my, my, the character. Like, oh, I was yeah, yeah. like, man, Gaston's a jerk. Yeah. But it was it was how Luke Evans played him that mm-hmm. made him such a jerk. And an unrequited yeah. jerk. Oh, like, my, just, just like, he was over the top. And he, from, and he thought he was so cool. Oh, yeah. And, like, the ladies' man who doesn't want to be with Gaston. And, mm-hmm. and then when he has that sort of evil turn towards the end, like, it's believable. He's kind of villainy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He is for sure villainy. Yeah. Um, the, my my musical knock on it. Oh no! His his like bar- song. His baritone was not as strong as it was in the original. Okay, but again, like these are different people doing different voices. I get that. Yeah, but there's something about there needed to be a deeper timber to his voice. Okay, that is just me being a musical nerd. Whatever. That is a super uh, musical nerdy. <laughs> by the way, Josh Gad was great. Gad was great. Like funny, and, he, and he that was, was the, com- the sort of yeah. comedic relief. And I was not really sure what to expect with him. Oh, I like Josh Gad. So he's fun. That was surprising. Uh, like I said, Kevin Klein. That was a nice little addition. And then all the people who played like the other people who were cursed in the castle, the mm-hmm. candlestick, and the yeah, Ewan McGregor Ewan as McGregor. the Pierre, uh Ian McKellen, Ian McKellen as Cogsworth. Yeah, pops up. He's got a, and they get so they get a moment at the end of the film too, which is really awesome. Mm-hmm. And that is and the, the post credit like, was nice. Did you notice that? Yes, the post credit. Uh, 
you know, the, we get him for all these movies, and it was really well done. Mm-hmm. It was well, like it was like show their names. Yeah, it was and you would see those credits, but like a mid credits, basically a mid credit yeah. going through the cast. Yeah, you know, I did not it want people beautiful. to get confused. By yeah, like, post credit scene. Yeah, there's no there's no extra scene of like the beast hanging out playing pool or something. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the mid credits where it shows who the cat was very well. It's probably mm-hmm. one of the best I've seen in any Disney movie. It was awesome. It was sort of beautifully done. They all yep. sort of had these these reveals, and it would be them, and then the person that they played or mm-hmm. the thing that they played. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, so I was I was really impressed with the performances. This kind of it did not bring anything new. Oh, there's nothing new about uh, it. <laughs> similar to Jungle Book, yeah. you know, it it brought it brought things a little bit differently, but nothing new or groundbreaking. But that is okay. Yeah, you, but I went into this being yeah. like, I just want to see Beauty and the Beast. This is if you want to see Beauty and the Beast, it, this is Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. It's sort of a really cool live action retelling of a story you already know. Mm-hmm. The songs are great. The sound fine. Yeah, there were like. I want to say four original songs. Yeah. Like they really, they, they, they stretch their wings and why not when you why have not? people who can do it? Right. Yeah. So very well done movie. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised that, uh, I'm surprised that there's a little sort of hubbub about it, but I think that's not going to matter. Yeah. Open opening weekend, it comes out in, in crushes. Yeah. One of my other knocks on it, speaking of just jungle book, s- purely speaking of Disney live action, the beast. Yeah did not look as real all the time as some of the creatures did in Jungle Book. Yes. That was something Andy has talked about before. You looked at Jungle Book, it looked like they were real animals that were doing this. There were were a few scenes with the beast that it was a little too glossy. I think there's so much going on. Yeah. Like on the screen at the same time. That that could be it. That it was just probably a lot more different. Because, I mean, with the Jungle Book, you're just... It's a, it's a, you're animating. You get used full, to it because yeah. it is. Everything. And you're animating a full animal versus like an animal and some clothing and trying to make that makes all sense. of those things okay. look real, right? The fur has to look real as well as whatever he's dressed in. Mm-hmm. So when you're doing some, some song and dance where he's in some blue outfit, mm-hmm. kind of hard to make it look real. Nice segue. Speaking of outfits, yeah. I'm putting this on wax right now. You're dressing up as the beast for Comic Con. <laughs> No, no. Uh, Worth a shot. Next year, Academy Awards. Yes. This will either both get nominated and win, or at least get nominated. The costume design in this movie yes. was over the top. Yeah. Like, it was phenomenal. Yeah, it was phenomenal. Yeah, you know, you're right. I could see that happening easily. So, Very well done. Yeah. Um, Unless it loses to Suicide Squad again. <laughs> oh, no, that's not going to be Justice League. It'll lose to Justice League. Oh. Uh, it's gonna lose the Justice League. That would be painful. Costume design, Justice League. <laughs> uh, please no. Uh, Academy Award winning Justice League. Please, yeah. please no. Uh, DC's gonna clean up. I will say the second act kind of dragged a little bit. Oh no! It was it was a little bit slow. What part? What part dragged? I mean, you're not spoiling anything. Everyone knows what happens in this uh-huh. movie. It was just like some of the year old story. Some of the stuff in the castle, while while Bella's there, yeah, while you know, Maurice is back in the village. Like it was just, we all know where it was going. So oh, you wanted like, more of the abusive relationship between beast and, wow. and bell. <laughs> you want more of that? Wow. <laughs> I don't want any of that. No, it was not even that. It was just, it felt a little bit sore, mainly because like the nostalgia hit you in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. And then it hit you again, right at the end. The middle part did not feel as nostalgic. Okay. Um, so, so maybe to me that just kind of slowed it down a little bit, but Yeah. Uh, I think that was all of my my notes. 
Uh, but at the end, yeah. again, just seeing people of color. <laughs> yeah. Not just seeing people of color in the background. Yeah. Seeing them as... <laughs> actual characters. As in the actual film. characters. <laughs> interracial or multi-ethnic relationships. Yes. Like, it just... It was awesome. It was very yeah. inclusive. I was a big fan of that. It's a great film. Um, well, spoiler alert. Did you just give... No. That's so a great film. If this is the first movie. time you're listening to this podcast... <laughs> I forgot we got to rate this thing. There's a rating system. Good, bad, or ugly. Okay. Uh, a good film, just like it sounds, could be something that you enjoyed, that was good. It could be something that you absolutely loved. Right. A bad film, you just did not really enjoy it. It was not really your cup of tea, but it was not terrible. Right. Ugly... It was terrible. You okay. will never see it again. You will not tell people to watch it again. <laughs> so, for Beauty and the Beast, Tim, your official rating. Official rating is good. It mm-hmm. was good. I think people are going to, if you're a fan of Beauty and the Beast, think you're going to get everything you want out of it. I don't think you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. Um, it, it, the music is good. The acting is good. There will probably be things like John you can nitpick about <laughs> people's baritone voices. Uh, but even with, even with all of that, I think it is... A great live action adaptation. It's what people want to see. Mm-hmm. You can, if you're a parent, you can take your kids to see it in both. Hundred percent, hundred percent. The violence in it was not. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. There, there were scary moments, but there were scary moments in the first one. Yeah, like there were intense moments. I should say, not right. scary moments. Those wolves he took on. Yeah, unless you're Aaron Foster, who says he can take on a wolf. Did you see that? What? Yeah, he's like, I think I can beat a wolf one on one. Oh my gosh. Do you think honestly? Do you think you could beat a wolf one on one? Have you ever wrestled with a no, dog? I'm just, I'm just asking. Do you think you could beat a no. wolf? No, I don't think so either. Because like anybody who has actually like just tussled with like their family dog, yeah. Every now and then you get to a point the where wolves like, are vicious. Yeah, and they are huge. They're huge. So no, Aaron Foster, you are crazy. Aaron Foster. Yeah, he, I know he's a play in the NFL, but man, yeah, that's worse than Kyrie Irving is flat Earth theory. Ugh, yeah, <laughs> he might have the best handles in the NBA, <laughs> but yeah. he lost his mind. Yeah. Anyway, uh. To my rating. So, like we already kind of talked about, I had a lot of expectations. I tried to manage them. I really, really wanted to love this movie, and I did. Yeah. Uh, my official rating is good. Go see this movie. If you okay. love the first one, you will... I mean, I was just grinning. I was grinning from ear to ear. It filled me with that warm feeling. It was incredible. Yeah. Uh, it was really, really good. Yeah, I had a couple knocks on it. The French mm-hmm. thing. I, like, the first thing, bo- I'm not French, so it doesn't bother me. Well, not, neither am I, but it was just it was just weird. It just bothers me when they take historical movies like this. It's weird because you're like, hey, all these details, and how could you miss this? Right. This is a very detailed movie. And and everybody's you miss English. This thing. The, everyone's only, English. the only person with a French accent is Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor, yeah. <laughs> the Scottish. Who's, yeah, who's Scottish? <laughs> so but so no, funny. Officially, it, it was good. What, so. what other films, I mean, obviously they're doing a Lion King, but what other films would you like to see them make a live action remake of? The one that Cars. I the, the one that I would love to see, but I think would be really hard to make yes. in our current uh, <laughs> climate would be Aladdin. I say that because growing up, when it came to brown boys in film, I had Mowgli and Aladdin to look up oh, to. Oh, you just you cast Tom Holland as Aladdin. <laughs> That's what you do. You do like the Great Wall. You just cast Tom Holland in Aladdin. Yeah. No, I think I think people will see it. I think oh, no, I, I think it, there, there's a weird disconnect we have, right, with our entertainment, right? People can have mm-hmm. all these beliefs about whatever who they who they don't want in the country, who they do want, who's mm-hmm. a terrorist and who's not. But when it comes to entertainment, they can push all that aside, right? Think about it. Think about all of these racial microaggressions and out, outward racist stuff that happens here in Seattle mm-hmm. in this liberal place, right? Check out my one-word screenplay that I put up yeah. on Twitter yeah. recently, right? But, 
So, so think about that. Think about those experiences, right? Mm-hmm. But when you go to a Seahawks game and it's sold out and it's everyone cheering and, and enjoying it. But I'm like, would, if someone who looked exactly like Marshawn Lynch moved in your neighborhood, you'd probably be afraid for yourself. But you go, you can go on a Sunday and cheer for someone like Marshawn because he's, mm-hmm. he's playing a sport and he's entertaining. So if you're watching Aladdin and it's here for entertainment, I think they'll push all of that aside and enjoy it. And I think Disney has yep. the balls enough to make the film. I don't think they would care. I mean, and and it would, it would, here's the thing. It would make all the money in the world. <laughs> I mean, they... and I so think, How do you do the genie, though? Oh, they could do that. But who does it? Because Robin Williams is It would, it would be 100% here. CGI. But who, who plays the genie? Who plays the genie? Because Robin Williams is sadly no longer with us. Who plays the genie? Well, Serious Entertainer? Here, <laughs> here's the thing, though. <laughs> who like, plays the genie? With, with some of these live-action remakes, so the only person from the original Lion King cast... Is that, James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones is coming back. Bring back Jeremy Irons. He was great. Bring back Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. Like, you can still do that. So, with who, Aladdin, who, I'm who, not sure. Who plays the genie? Who's your, who's your, just, Oof. first name pops in your head is, this person's a good genie. Jim Gaffigan. Yes. <laughs> no, you're right. It I works. mean, I, I think. If he's just, just voicing the genie, He could do fine. the really dry humor, I think, really well. Yeah. Nobody can do Robin Williams, I think, why not do something different? Something different. Yeah. yeah. So, right. but I, so Aladdin. Jim Gaffigan is genie. Let's start that hashtag. Book it. Yep. Book it. Uh, Gaffigan so yeah. is genie. That would be, sorry, Lion King is next. Lion and, King is and next. And I, I cannot wait. Give it to me. Give me all of the Disney. I don't want to watch Mufasa die again. That's too much. Oh, oh my gosh. In live? You got to watch it live. Oh. You got to watch it oh. live. That is going to be rough. Oh, teardrops. And you know that Simba's going to come up to him and be like, wake up. Wake up. It's going to be another meme. Oh. <laughs> another meme of Simba trying to wake him up. So bad. Yeah. With Jordan's crying face. I on, know. On I know. <laughs> and it's going to be the internet's terrible. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that about wraps it up for this whole episode. Thank you for sticking with us for the 48 hour film fest film Palooza. Talked about Emerald City Comic Con. We talked about Beauty and the Beast, yeah. which Tim gave a good. I gave a good. Go see it. I really wish the 48, 48 hour film Palooza was just watching 48 hours over and over again. In another 48 hours. Wow. Yeah, I'll watch go. that. that <laughs> we could do that. We could do, do that. We could do some comment. We can do that. Commentary. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having me on the second half of the episode. I, I feel privileged. Absolutely. To be on here. Of course. Sharing some space with Andy. Yeah. Who's not listening to the show. No. <laughs> not at all. No. Andy's not listening. I love him, but he never does. I have to, if I want him to listen, he has to, like, I have to have him come over and I will play parts of it for him. Oh. He's like, well, that's what I sound like. Ridiculous. And and he's great. He is. Uh, So for this podcast, this has been the About to Review podcast. You can find it on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at About to Review. Let's do it on iTunes, on Stitcher. If you want to pitch in a dollar and help out the studio, that would be great. You can go to patreon.com slash about to review. Yeah, Tim, where can people find you? Uh, They can find me in the streets. In nah, these streets. In the street, nah. uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, People's Critic, uh, CRTIC. You can find me on Instagram, People's Critic, Snapchat, my blog, the People's Critic blog.com. I've got reviews for a bunch of stuff. A bunch of stuff coming up. Interviews with some people from Boston Baby. Mm-hmm. And an interview with Danny Boyle coming up, which I'm, nice. very, I'm very excited about. Okay. I want to talk to him about um, Sunshine. I'm bringing, I'm bringing up Sunshine. Okay. That's coming up in our conversation. So, yeah, I'm excited for One that. One of arguably the best science fi- sci-fi films of our generation, would you say? I I would I would say that, yeah. yeah. And that nobody knows about. No, people haven't seen. <laughs> so, go see Sunshine. Cool. And so, for this episode, I have been your host, that guy named John. Uh, this is Tim. 
and we will see you next time. This has been an About to Review production. Thank you to Vexing Media, who provides audio editing services. They are a graphic design, website design, and digital media company. You can find them at their website, vexingmedia.com, or on Facebook and Twitter, at Vexing Media.